Hello, everyone, and welcome to Unabashed Book Snobbery, the podcast where we gush about George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire and whinge about its simply horrid adaptation, Game of Thrones. This is where being a book snob is a source of pride. My name is Kylie, and here with me is Julia. Good morrow. We both write for fandomfollowing.com about geeky media, A Song of Ice and Fire, and Game of Thrones included, of course. And then because we're both such horrible book snobs, we also write about them even more on our Tumblr blogs. I'm G.O.T. Gibson Musings, and she is the cultural vacuum. So today, Kylie, we are not going to be talking about Game of Thrones at all. Thank God! I'm so excited. In fact, not only are we only going to be talking about A Song of Ice and Fire, we are only going to be talking about Dorne. We are literally <laughs> both vibrating like a sobby right now. You have no idea how excited I am for this. That's right. It's finally here. It's Dornish Headcanon Hour. Yeah, hour. Okay. <laughs> We're cute. Okay. Well, like Honestly, the thing is, I didn't think we'd be able to fill up an hour, and then mm-hmm. I started outlining. Yeah. And I was like, hmm. I think we have a fair amount of headcanons. We have a lot of headcanons. And it's, believe it or not, Ju- a little excessive. Julia was actually resistant to recording this episode. Mm-hmm. I, I was just, I, I didn't think anyone would want to hear it, but apparently, according apparently to our do. Tumblr inboxes and our email and, yeah, you do. <laughs> so, yay, I guess. Although I, yeah. I still think you guys do not know what you're getting yourselves into. <laughs> I mean, you, uh, during the course of listening to this episode, you'll think you made a horrible mistake. <laughs> yeah, so, like, here's the thing. I just wanted to say, like, a, a quick preface about what a headcanon even is, mm-hmm. you know, versus analysis, right? So, you know, there, there's some... What the fuck? It's like Whoa. a dying elephant outside my window. Do you hear that? That does sound like a dying elephant. I think this is how they're preparing for the snowstorm. By killing <laughs> elephants? <laughs> you never know. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> Oh my god, no, it's a guy who's really failing at parallel parking and he's just scraping his hubcaps into the curb. (laughs) Oh my god. That was awful. Anyway, so what's a headcanon, Kylie, as opposed to analysis? Um, yeah, like that's what I'm saying. The line is blurred, I would say, because sometimes you and I come up with, you know, headcanons that sort of require analysis, right? Like, why is it that Innes Ironwood is listed as the eldest Ironwood heir, and yet she is, she's not, she's listed as the eldest Ironwood, sorry, mm-hmm. in the uh, Feast for Curse appendix, and yet she is not the heir, that's Cletus. Yeah. So, you know, is it a headcanon that we think the Ironwoods follow, like, uh, equal primogeniture like the rest of Dorne, or is that analysis, right? Mm-hmm. Because in our minds, like our our, we have textual evidence for I'd say ninety nine percent of our headcanons. Um, well, it depends what you mean by evidence. I mean, like <laughs> we're both kind of really into like you know canon compliance, so we definitely like I wouldn't be able to maintain a headcanon in my brain if I thought it wasn't compliant with the canon. Right, like there's some headcanons that are just not really based on anything. Like Ariane's favorite food is X, and that's well, just... no, it's it's pretty based on canon that her favorite food is. Uh, peppers stuffed with cheese and onions. Okay, that is a bad example. She has it like three times <laughs> in like three chapters. That so. was a bad example, Julia. <laughs> okay. 
but but what we're saying is that the line between headcanons and analysis is kind mm-hmm. of blurry. So this is going to be getting a lot into what Dorne is in its core. And then also there's sometimes that we don't want to flush things out. We like ambiguity. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I personally don't want to know for a fact whether or not Oberyn purposely poisoned Edgar. Yeah, like I like at 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 this point, like I, it's more kind of indicative of his character that nobody knows, and it's just kind of either is possible. Exactly. Um, so yeah, as we're going to be getting into that, I I just I would say this is uh, some heavy analysis of Dorne, really. So it's not just us being derpy idiots, and although there's some of that too, there's definitely some. <laughs> Um, but yeah, to also start things out, I got an ask recently that I thought it would just be a good way to kick it off, um, which is, seriously, what is it about Book Dorn, real Dorn, thank you, that makes people say such stupid crap? Par- more than any other part of A Song of Ice and Fire, I see blatantly incorrect statements taken as truth. Yeah. Ariane wants to be queen. They all want Marcella dead. Nothing happens. Ariane's locked in a tower for most of it. The Sand Snakes are too big a part of it, and so on and so on. I do come across a lot of people who admit to skimming or barely paying attention, but that can't possibly explain all of it. Yeah, like, we just don't get how it is that not everybody in the whole world stands Dorne like we do, to tell you the truth, because it's just so wonderful. We don't get how you cannot like it. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, mm-hmm. our Arian reread, as far as we know, was the first closest look at Dorne, when, like, not in terms of plot function, in terms yeah. of character. I mean, there, there's plenty of people who are willing to, like, you know, make crazy theories about how, like, Dorne is a Superman villain, but... You're like, right. But that, that in itself, like, how could have that been the first close analysis of those chapters? Like, yeah, how is that even possible? That's the other thing. Like, the first quote-unquote reputable people in the fandom who were, like, taking a closer look at that are coming across with these really ridiculously reaching theories about Doran. And, and, and I have to think it is easy on your first read to think that it's all about Ariane learning to listen to her dad in a way. Mm-hmm. That she really fucks up greatly. And then it's it really took a while for us to see this parallel between Ariane and Doran. Yeah. Like, not to toot our reread's own horn a lot. It's just, it was a very insightful one and a really cool one. But yeah, it was kind of like, I liked Ariane before that, and I think you did too. Like, yeah. Quite a bit. But like, the amount of insight that like the, the small group of us were able to gain from rereading those chapters. There's just like so much there. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, why is it that Doran is misunderstood? I think... It's a family drama kind of slapped into the middle of a feast for crows and a family that we hadn't met before. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's part of it. It could be part of skimming. It doesn't help that there's people that really, really want to project a lot onto Doran and that's more interesting to them than realizing, yeah. oh, he is just Ariane. <laughs> but he is. Yeah. And I, I don't know, like, cause yeah, we'll say a lot more about Doran, I think. Uh, Doran, I think, in, in the course of this read, but just, yeah, like, it's it's kind of not what people expect, I don't think. Yeah. So, with that, our headcanons, you have to understand, these are crafted after months and months of thinking about mm-hmm. this region very specifically. Um, yeah. And, like, at this point, I'm kind of, you know, I'm willing to say about most of our headcanons that, like, they might be wrong, they might be very, very wrong. Yeah. But they're definitely, like, there's nothing in the text that will contradict them, because we, we know this text quite well. Uh, so I'm pretty comfortable saying that. But Yeah. yeah. Like, it's it could be wrong about all of this, really. It's like, possible World yeah. of God comes out, but we're, yeah. we're gonna, we're gonna feel comfortable just blazing ahead. So do you want to mm-hmm. kick things off with, um, like, just some general Dornish headcanons, maybe? 
Uh, yeah, well, this is kind of based on a glossary that Kylie and I wrote at some point when we, we were- We love glossaries. Forum. Yeah. <laughs> when we were, uh, still really heavy into the Westeros.org forum, we called it the, like the Dornish Debates Glossary. Yeah. Well, the first kind of thing that we really, uh, did was the, uh, the Dornish Antitrust Law, right? Mm-hmm. And this was to explain the, uh, the Ironwood Inheritance, or one of, I think, like one of the two kind of most likely explanations. Like one of them is kind of purely Doylist, and one of them is purely Watsonian. The purely right. Doylist- Purely Doyle's explanation for this problem is that it's a typo and that Cletus is older than Innes, um, mm-hmm. which which is entirely possible at this point, especially since he's never called the heir in the text. Cletus is never referred to as he's the not. heir to Ironwood in the text. Just like... And Innes is never referred to as the eldest either. She's yeah. just referred to she's, as the older the, sister. Yeah, she's referred to as the eldest daughter or the elder daughter, I think. Yeah. So, um, so there, there's room yeah. either way. Yeah. But basically, the Watsonian explanation that we came up with is that, uh, well, you have this system of, of absolute primogenitor where the eldest child inherits regardless of uh, their gender. Uh, and the Dornish are progressive in many ways, but they do subscribe to a binary view of gender. So we're going to have to deal with that. But um, so in this kind of system, it there's a danger, basically, that heirs would constantly be marrying each other and you would end up with these, like, you know, super monster ginormous houses that would just like you know overwhelm the country and overwhelm the power of the prince so yeah and this is especially based on the fact that there seem to be correct me if i'm wrong Mm -hmm. fewer dornish children than like their other regions like it seems like they have a little more pregnancy control yeah well you have oberon who's kind of an outlier who has his eight kids well he knows of um but um yeah there there seems to like it either like they seem to have like between one and three kids. Like, there doesn't seem to be very large families in Dorne. But, like, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think there's enough data to really say one way or another. That's true. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, we theorize that basically when you have, like, you basically have, like, a set number of houses. And when you have two heirs who want to marry each other, or more specifically their offspring, or, like, one of their offspring can't inherit that seat, like, they can't inherit both seats, right? Right, so let's pretend Innes was the heir. Let's mm-hmm. pretend she was the eldest. But then she's marrying Ryan Illyrian. Illyrian. <laughs> what is stu- Illyrian? That's, I pronounce it Ryan Illyrian. You obviously pronounce it differently, but it doesn't really Ryan matter. Illyrian. Well, yeah. no, that sounds stupid, so let's go with yours. Ryan okay. Illyrian. <laughs> Who is the heir to God's grace. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, normally what we would say is the default would be that the person with the better claim, so Ironwood is a more prestigious seat than God's Grace, mm-hmm. they would keep theirs and the other person would give it up. But Ryan is an only child. Yeah. So in this case, Innes would have given up her claim because Cletus could inherit. And then if something happened to Cletus, spoiler, um, then <laughs> Gwyneth could, could inherit. Yeah, so she, uh, they have uh, a younger sister named Gwyneth, who's, I don't, uh, somebody seems to agree with us because she's listed as the heir on the wiki now. So... Mm-hmm. And if it was just if it was just male preference primogenitor, then in this wiki the air now, right? It's the wiki and the app lists her too, and the app is semi canonical. Does the app list her as the air? Or is it ambiguous? I don't know. Don't I know the wiki does. I'm not sure. Someone the on the app. wiki agrees with us, so yeah. we enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the Dornish Antitrust. Basically that like like, you know, how giant companies in the United States couldn't merge until they form monsters. Giant houses in Dorne can't merge until they form monsters. And the biggest reason we rationalize this away for Ironwood, and a lot of people want to talk about their Andal blood and how they probably <laughs> practice Andal traditions. No, absolutely fucking not. Because I, I think will it's tell very you what, unlikely. 
the first words out of Aryan's mouth to Eris when she's trying to convince him is that Anders doesn't even let his daughters inherit. Because she was trying to paint him as Kristen Cole reborn. She would have backed that up. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I mean, like, even, but I, like, it's kind of weird because you would think that, like, there would be some kind of, like, discomfort on her part, uh, because Innocent gave up her claim. Like, she would say that, like, oh, like, she would paint it as, like, you know, something her father forced her to do or something. Yeah, maybe. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, I think it's very, very unlikely. I'm, I got, like, an ask a couple of days ago about this, too, about, like, uh, which houses do you think? Because George R. R. Martin mentioned in one of his So Speak Martins, like, yeah, he was asked if all, Dornish houses practice equal primogeniture, and he says, he said, like, uh, well, most of them do, but there, there, are, there are some that don't, like the ones that are least touched by the Roinar, by the Roinar migration, basically, was she said, and like, Ironwood is the number two house in Dorne. Yeah, they've definitely been intermarrying for a long yeah. time, and with... it, that was one of the houses that Nymeria and Moors conquered. And yeah. I, I, th- I think, first of all, it's very unlikely that they would be allowed to keep their own succession laws. In that circumstance, and second of all, like nobody mentions it, n- mentioned it that the number two house in Dorne doesn't follow the one thing that Dorne is most known for. Yeah, like in our head canon or opinion, whatever you want to take it as, mm-hmm. um, the major houses of Dorne all practice equal primogeniture. Yeah, definitely like the six kings that Nymeria sent to the wall. All the yeah. families were practicing. However, of those houses that Mark- Martin spoke about, <laughs> that he so spoke of. <laughs> Um, we do kind of endor- envision like a sort of pencil tucky kind of situation in Doran, <laughs> Dornal tucky. Um, well, like, you know, yeah, you have these mountains and think there's probably like, you know, isolated kind of parts of these mountains that barely like know anything about the outside world, really. Yeah. Kind of similar to how the North and the Vale have their own like clans or smaller yeah. houses. And you have that thing like in, uh, in A Clash of Kings. Tyrion, as part of the deal with Marcella and everything, he gives he gives him a bunch of castles on the marches. I will and never forget that. It's kind of unlikely that whoever holds these castles on the marches will all of a sudden, you know, drop their inheritance laws in favor of Dornish ones. Right. So there is some Andal succession going on in some of these kind of fringe houses, but I don't think it's anything worth commenting on in, like, the, the great houses of Dorne, certainly. Yeah. Um. So that kind of leads we're, we're talking about their inheritance so this is all about their marriage structure right so do we yes. want to talk about dornish spouse snobbery dornish spouse snobbery well basically um like i we've said in more than one place i think that like with the dornish like in a lot of ways you can just kind of replace sexism in the rest of westeros with classism mm-hmm. right like in terms of like the way that they're kind of like they relate to each other. Well, it's confusing because, the, you know, they're able to intermingle with the commoners. Like, they're mm-hmm. all playing the water gardens together. But there's no um, stigma against bastardy. But yet, they seem to be far more class conscious than yeah. any other area of Westeros. Yeah, they're just like, uh, you know, Ariane and Quentin, the two uh, Dornish POVs that we have, they both, like, multiple times think, like, you know, oh, like... They, they think of somebody as a potential marriage partner and they wonder, is he or she high-born enough for me? Mm-hmm. In a very kind of like, it's a very cut and dry kind of like, if, if he's not good enough, then no, it's just not, it's just not on the table. Right. And, and like, they're poo-pooing, you know. Yeah. Quentin can't, doesn't even think he could do anything with a drink water because they're yeah. too lowborn, you know? And the drink water's like, you know, they're, they're, they're clearly like considered highborn. Yeah. So. But they're not highborn enough no, they're for not the highborn Bartels. enough. Yeah. For, for a Prince of Doran. Um, so, yeah. I, I just, I think I discussed this in one of my things that I write on Tumblr somewhere, but that just like, uh. Um, sure of it. 
Um, the fact that they have this kind of free intermingling with the commoners and especially the institution of paramorage or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. that kind of like acts as a safety valve in a lot of ways. So like you wouldn't have a situation like, like Robin Jane Westerling where he, you know, he, he had sex with her and he felt obligated to marry her. Um, because in a Dornish context, in that situation, he just kind of like, you know, well, first of all, he wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't be seen as some kind of, you know, stain on her honor that she had premarital sex. And second of all, like they could have a relationship. They could even have a family if they wanted without getting necessarily married. Right. Right. So, and, so, so that kind of mindset acts as kind of a safety valve for any of the emotions that might be, be involved in marriage. So when you do get married, it's, it's a lot so easier. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a lot easier to do it on a much more pragmatic basis because right. it's almost strictly pragmatic. Yeah, because like first, like you know, first of all, it, 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 there seems to be some indication that when you get married, like you don't have to live with the person forever. Like we call it Dornish Spouse Island because. Uh, it's it's kind of strange, like when you look through all these appendix appendices of all these great houses, and you get to the Dorn part, nobody seems to fucking have a spouse. <laughs> <laughs> so there's exactly two highborn. Okay, there's exactly two highborn people in Dorn whose spouse we know of: Doran, who's married yeah. to Malaria of Norvos, and oh Innes Iron uh, Innes Ironwood and Rhino Leary, who are married. Nobody else has a spouse listed. It's to the point where it seems like Martin's trolling us. Mm-hmm. Like the sample chapter where they go to. Oh, oh, by the way, we should have done a, a Winds of Winter spoiler. We will be talking about Arian's first Winds of Winter chapter, which mm-hmm. is available on the app, so it's very yeah. accessible. Definitely read it. But we're not going to be able to not talk about it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so just that caveat. But in in that sample chapter, they go to um what Ghost, Ghost Hill, Hill, right? Yeah. And again, it's just Lady Tala there. And you know, where's her husband? Like, we know she's been married because she has legitimate children. So, yeah. where's her husband? So, we came up with a wonderful solution to this. <laughs> because, and you know, again, it's about this sort of love pragmatics dichotomy mm-hmm. between paramour and uh, spouse. So, there is something that we like to call Dornish Spouse Island. Yeah. We don't know exactly where this island's located, but the idea <laughs> is that when you are done with your spouse and, and you being the person with the seat, the, the yeah, air. The person with the power. Right. Um, you send your spouse away, go, go. And then you can go get your paramour and be happy. Or just not, you know, have sex anymore or whatever. Or just send do. them away. Just like, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, in like, the rare case you like them, cool. They can hang out. But mm-hmm. otherwise, they all go to Dornish Spouse Island. And, uh. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the whole, like, uh, the thing that came up in my fanfic about the rules? Is it a good place to talk about it here? Yeah, that's a good place. Um, yeah, so like, basically, the way that we see it, like, there's these two cut, there's like two kind of phases in a Jorish marriage, right? There's the part usually, not necessarily, but usually right after you get married, where you're like, okay, we're gonna make babies now, mm-hmm. right? At and, least for the next five, ten years, depending yeah. on how productive. Exactly. Um, so yeah, like. That's like, you know, we're, we're living together, we're sleeping in the same bed, we're, we're making babies. That's what we're doing. And obviously, in this world without paternity testing, and where the only reliable form of birth control is like an abortificant. Is that the right term? Abortificant? Yes. Yes. Um, the only way to, for a woman to like absolutely establish the paternity of any offspring is to be monogamous, right? Correct. So, in this phase of the marriage, like, a woman can only have one partner and will presumably be her husband. Right. She's precluded from having a paramour at this point. Yeah. Or like any other kind of relationship. So we'll talk about the 
distinction between paramours and just people you fuck at some other point, right? Yeah. But like, I don't, I've cut, uh, we've kind of had this idea. It's kind of developed more, most because I write fanfic about Dorne, but, um, that obviously for, for the man in this relationship, he's, there's no actual like practical necessity for him to be monogamous, but I don't, we just kind of have the idea that it would be very rude. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> to it's, have other it, partners. It's one of those things where it's not against the rules, but it's frowned upon and it's a bit well, of a it is against, it's, it's not like against the law, but it's against the rules. Right. That's, that's what we're yeah. saying. Yeah. Like, there's, no one could actually prevent someone from doing this, but it's, it would kind of be, like, a social stigma sort of thing. Yeah. And it, it would, like, it would be, like, an illicit thing at this point, because, like, it's almost, like, taboo level. That's, yeah. that's our, that's our idea. Which is a very speculative headcanon, but we like it's it. It's incredible, incredibly speculative. Probably one of our most reaching, I would say. Yeah. But, um, it also makes sense when you look at, sort of, gender roles and how. Yeah. I was, Martin treated. answered a couple of questions on this topic where he was just kind of like giving like one word answers and being really annoying. And like, yeah. you know, one of the, one of the things that was asked is that can a married woman have a parent more? And he said, well, yes, it depends on the status of the woman. Right. Yeah. So basically, like, I think what we can kind of detangle from that is that like, you know, when the woman is the senior partner in the marriage, if she's the one who has the title in the lands, mm-hmm. um, she can get away with a lot more like, because. Oh, yeah. Like, like, you know, Dorne is obviously a much less, like, toxically patriarchal part of Westeros than all the other ones. But still, like, there's still, it's, it's still, still patriarchal. Yeah. yeah it's, it's still kind of the, like, you know, the idea that, you know, just men can do more shit sometimes, especially when it comes to sex. So, but, like, when you have the woman who's obviously the one who's, who has the power in the relationship, like, and if you're, the, if you're the husband of that, of that woman. Like it would, uh, it would be a lot more not like it would be a lot less acceptable for you, I think, to to stray from the rules of the marriage, than if if it was the other way around. Yes, I agree. So it's not cut and dry, and it's not, it's not yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, what I was gonna say is our, our last, our last kind of like overarching Dorn headcanon from our glossary mm-hmm. was this idea of Dornish negotiations, <laughs> and this is us kind of making fun of the ridiculous aggressive negotiations from. Uh, Attack of the Clones, the prequel. That's just shitty. But <laughs> the whole idea was it was it from the mush that they stabbed them with a peace banner? Yeah. Well, they killed him. Like it's canon now from World of Ice and Fire that uh, Darren the First, who invaded Dorne because he was a stupid head, uh, that he was killed under a banner of peace. But in the mush, in the like uh, text-based role-playing game that they play in Westeros.org, what actually happened is that um, a character actually took the peace banner they were under and stabbed him through the neck of it, which is just first. Yeah, it's horrible. It's, it's a bad horrible. thing to do, but yeah. it's so fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Dorne's negotiations. Yeah. Is that yeah, don't fuck with them. But also, like, Dornish negotiations can end you up, like, you know, in bed with a princess. It's kind of, you know, it can work out either way. <laughs> but the rule the rule is don't, like, let the Dornish win, basically. Let the Wookiee win. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the rest of our glossary was devoted to Martell-specific things, because... Mostly silly things. Yeah, Um. so the first thing is that uh, Doran, Oberyn, and Elia's mother... Mm-hmm. Uh, is not given a name in text. Yeah. She we is... call her Mama Martell. Mm-hmm. But uh, thanks to Julia's fic, we've been calling her Lorraine. Uh, yeah, more... That's just for my fic. It's not. It's not even a headcanon. It's actually not the worst headcanon though, because if you look at the way that Oberyn named his children, that is the one that kind of sticks out. Yeah. So because you can kind of like his four younger daughters, like, you kind of get the sense that he didn't 
have anything to do with naming the four older ones. We can just kind of ignore them. The four younger daughters are named uh, Alia after his sister, uh, Abella after him, him. Uh, Doria presumably after Doran, and then Lorenza. So Lorenza kind of sticks out. So we're thinking it could be the mom. Um, I'm 50-50 on that. It's not the most important headcanon. No, but However, it's, I think it's definitely the most likely name. There's another headcanon that we have. So obviously she had a husband that she had the children with. Yeah. And we call him Papa Consort. <laughs> he doesn't but have a name either. Later on, Oberyn, when Oberyn's talking to Tyrion, right, about his trip to Lannisport, is that where this comes to up? To Castle Rock, yeah. 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 Um, he mentions my mother and her consort. Yeah. So we think that's, a, like, he could have just been asserting his Dornishness, but we kind of took that and ran with it and thinking this is not how someone refers to their dad. Yeah. So we think that Papa Consort died, probably, or something, and then Mama Martel got herself a second consort, and we yeah. call him Trophy Consort because we like to say that he's a lot younger than her and hot. <laughs> I don't know. Based on absolutely out. nothing. It just amused us, I think. And so. not only do we have that headcanon, but we also have the headcanon that Trophy Consort is now, as an old person, hooking up with Mama Martel's brother, Lewin, from the Kingsguard. He had a paramour. Yes, that's uh, canon. We, so we think Trophy Consort and Lewin's paramour are hooking up. Yeah, in the, like, on Downer Strauss Island, I guess. Yeah, they're just, like, chilling somewhere, fucking. So that's actually a... Having uh, their old people sex. Yeah. This one's not headcanon. What, Martel Communication Deficiency Syndrome? Yeah, that's not headcanon. That's canon. That's canon canon. Well, it's, oh. yeah, it's kind of like... But it leads to other headcanons. Okay, yes. so um, I don't know if you've read uh, our reread. I know we've linked it a few times. Or, um, or your retrospective of My reread. retrospective of Ariane or uh, Love, Trust, Guilt. Doran's not keeping anything from Ariane. But uh, <laughs> the big, big, big thing about it, we talk about how it's a, a family drama with a Shakespearean flaw, right? Yeah. And the Shakespearean flaw for the Martells is something we call Martell Communication Deficiency Syndrome. And do you want to explain what that is, Joya? Um, well, it's just basically their inability to communicate in an emotionally honest way. And there's an inverse relationship between how important something is emotionally to them and their ability to communicate about it. Like, Ariane tells everything to Tyene, right? That's, that's, and she even says this to herself, like she mm-hmm. says everything to her. And yet Tyene had absolutely no idea that Ariane was worried about her birthright. Mm-hmm. Which is like the one thing that kind of dominates Aryan's yeah. internal life. That's like she's like you can. So she thinks about it all the time, like every day for the past nine years. She's thought about this. It's easier for her to commit light treason mm-hmm. than for her to have a fu- conversation with her father because she's worried about what he might say. Yeah, because like, that's like the tragedy of the feast for Crow's plotline is that like either of these two could have had a conversation at any time, which would have cleared this all up. But like instead, they spent almost a decade just causing each other immense pain because they just couldn't bring themselves to talk about it. Right, so this is canon. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> another thing that's canon is Ariane's Year of Angst, which is when she was it's 14. It's mostly canon. Well, yeah, when well there, there, was... there are three things that seem to have happened more or less at the same time. Yeah, when Ariane was 14, she mm-hmm. read the letter that made her think she was um, being replaced as heir in favor yeah. of Quentin. She uh, had sex for the first time with Damon. And they broke and up. She, and she thinks about that a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and they broke up. And then her parents, yeah, her parents' marriage fell apart and Malario went back to, uh, to Norvus. To Norvus. So we call that Ariane's Year of <laughs> Angst. There must have been so much bad poetry. Yeah. So the reason we're bringing up Martel Communication Deficiency Syndrome and Ariane's Year of Angst is that we kind of developed this into a headcanon 
Because, okay, so we ship Ariana and Damon, like, yeah, a lot. Yeah, it's, like, our only ship. <laughs> and so, all other ships are just kind of, like, a version of the ship that happens to occur in other universes. It's, it's really sad. Okay. So, our head kind of is kind of like she fucks him after she finds out mm-hmm. about the letter, and it's kind of a very emotionally charged, like, thing. Um, And what ends up happening is, you know, again, the whole thing is that Ariane just, like, wants to know that Doran cares about her on some level, that he actually doesn't, like, think she's less like unworthy of being his heir so you know not even that that she's just like that he loves her and he like gives yeah. a shit. and and the you know she kind of acted out a bit in her teenage years and our and uh julia actually like came up with the analogy that it's as if she's trying to get yelled at for fucking the pole boy and mm-hmm. she never does but so we kind of just to have this idea that the way her father found out about her and Damon fucking was that there is this feast at Sunsmear with like a lot of important people there, mm-hmm. and she just like got really upset and blurted yeah, he, it like, out. He like asked her to pass her to pass him a lemon wedge or something like that, and she's just she's like, like Damon, I'm fuck fucking Damon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she like stumps out, and yeah, probably his grandmother's there and looking mortified and thinking that she'll be killed or something. Yeah. <laughs> so we just so we this is like our head kind of that like yeah. all the nobles will sometimes just be like, remember that time. <laughs> Um, the other thing that we headcanon because of this communication deficiency syndrome is that Ariane, when she wants to avoid an emotionally honest conversation, she will hide behind a tapestry. Possibly literally. Possibly literally. Like, we kind of think that when Damon, you know, went and's like, can I marry your daughter? Which we think happened after this feast, because mm-hmm. what else do you do? And Doran told him no, that instead of, you know, saying Talking anything to it. him, she just hid behind a tapestry. Yeah. So, tapestry hiding is a very specific headcanon, but it's one that we're quite attached to. Yeah, well, like, it, it's, like, you know, the actual literal behind, hiding behind the tapestry is just, like, you know, a metaphor for the fact that just, like, she doesn't, they they didn't seem to have broken up at any point. They just kind of avoided each other until he got the message. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. that's, you know. And she I didn't seem to talk to Dorn about it at all, because there's just no indication that they ever had any kind of conversation. Because, like... Again, Damon. Know, I know he gets the shit under the stick, but um, here's a spoiler: anyone in love with a Martell always gets the shit under the stick. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was I saying? Yeah. So, so, like, basically, we were talking about like you know how when you know you want to have sex and door and marriage is not your only option, but like it didn't seem to be on the table at all. It wasn't even an idea that was rejected because she never brought it up. Right. Exactly. Yeah, she. I guess she. He could have been her paramour for a while, but she just. Yeah. No, it, it wasn't even mentioned. Up to, like, Doran. Doran would probably say no to that. For yeah, he, he other wouldn't reasons. have approved, and she would have never asked him to approve. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. She never would have asked him because she can't handle the idea of actually talking. Okay, so um, I'm gonna need you to talk about Malario because I can't with her. <laughs> what kind of stupid name is Malario? Yeah, our next head canon. Okay. Just first of all, we call her Super Malario. Yeah, because, because... it's a me, Malario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I know you kind of get the impression that she's a bit of a drama queen, like with her threatening to harm herself if her, any of her children are sent away. And mm-hmm. we we had kind of that like Doran and Ariane were canonically really close when mm-hmm. Ariane was like little. You know, she was running to him when she skinned her knees. So we kind of just think, well, Quentin was obviously Malario's favorite then. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I guess we'll be talking about this a little more when we talk about fatherhood, but yeah, um, yeah like Arian is is like clearly like you know she's Doran's, 
And so Malario kind of latched onto Quentin because she could. We also think that Triss was the save the marriage, maybe. <laughs> yes, because there's this quite a gap between him and Quentin. And like Triss was like less than three years old when she when she would have to have left. Because we know she was there when Aryan left read the letter at right. fourteen. But like they keep saying that she's been Yeah, they like, spent half their marriage, marriage apart, apart. So that's yeah. kinda of like the upper late. It would have to have happened very soon after that. Very soon, because it's her yeah. year of angst. Yes. Um also the thing about Malaria we're we're gonna mention this later, but um, I think Oberyn and Elia probably made fun of Doran a lot for <laughs> Malaria when he brought her back. Because yeah, that, that that was kind of like a very unusual marriage for Martel, right? Yeah, like, somebody from Norvos? Like what the fuck? Yeah, they married for love, which as we were talking about, like Dornish spells strawberry would be a very unusual thing to do. Yeah, it was not my my theory is that he just it was like his first time having sex and doing anything <laughs> remotely. <laughs> unthought of and he's like oh I, i'm gonna marry you then yeah well i i think it's like because um martin has commented about how like you know it was it was the only like rash thing that doran has ever done yeah and like i i just kind of get the idea that like it was allowed to happen because it, this was the first time that he ever really asked anything for himself because he's a very super dutiful guy and he was probably a huge mama's boy right you're allowed to be bad if you've been so dutiful for everything else. Meanwhile, yeah. Oberon, on the other hand, yeah, it was just yeah, it's that's kind of our head canon, right? That he drove his mother to an early grave. I mean, he kind of had to, you know. She she probably had to like pay so the fucking Citadel could get a new football stadium just because <laughs> yeah. he, he like dropped out twice, didn't he? Yeah, well, at least twice, I think, because he never yeah. became a maester. So yeah, he dropped out. But um, yeah, his timeline of his life is crazy sauce too. If you ever yeah. try to put that together, Uh uh, yeah, we, we, we actually we have time. We actually had kind of that there might have been a moment where Mama Martell considered legitimately murdering him after yeah. Edgar Gate. Yeah, because that's an important alliance that he just kind of completely blew up. And yeah, yeah. If uh, if some of my fit cannons are right, uh, she's put a lot of work into that, and then he blew it up. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, Julia, I know you're going to want to take the next bullet point. Oh my god. <laughs> Okay, so the bullet point just says Damon Sands balls. <laughs> okay, this man has chutzpah. He has chutzpah, in fact. Exactly. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm trying to speak English and not Yiddish. Um, no, Damon is a very, he has cojones. And yes. the, th- the thing is, we know from Kyburn that he goes and he yelled at Doran. Who, who, who do we know that from? From Kyburn, yeah, he says that, uh, yeah. Damon Sand has been imprisoned for uh, opposing the imprisonment of the Sand Snakes. Yeah. Um, our headcanon is that he was not yelling about the Sand Snakes. Mm-hmm. He was yelling about... Or maybe he, like, was going... He found out that Aryan's missing, because Aryan was in the tower for, like, two to three months. Yeah. She was in there for a while. And she's kind of, like, you know, an important public figure. So. Yeah, so he probably got back and he was like, where the fuck is Aryan? And, like, <laughs> I don't think stor- about her all the time. I don't think about her all the time. So he goes to, like, storm into Doran, to, like, storm up to Doran. And he's like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask about Aryan. And then he gets there. He's like, Doran, how can you lock the sand snakes up? <laughs> this is unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, like, first of all, like, who is this man and why is he yelling at the prince? Like, how large are his balls? Seriously? Is he Falaria? <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. No, like, like that was probably how it went down, that Falaria scene. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
And I guess what Doran did? He put him in jail because that's what a sane person would do. And then Doran also put him like on the quest with Ariane as her sword shield because he yeah. knows that he loves her. Yeah. Oh. Well, like, it does kind of suggest that, you know, he has proven that he will take a bullet for her. And Which... that would be a way that makes sense. Yeah. But like even when this kid was 14... You know, oh, he he goes up like you know to the Prince of Doran and is just like, uh, I'm well, gonna marry her. Yeah, I'm I'm a random bastard, and I would like to marry your daughter, please. Like, man has balls. Yeah, but what else was he gonna do after that fe- feast? Come on. Yeah, yeah, and also, <sighs> Dam- Damien headcanons. It's not even headcanons. They're just both not over it, mm-hmm. and that's rather canonical. Yeah, it's and it's very clear from the sample chapter that yeah. Just, they're kind of in love with each other. Mm-hmm. But they're both just kind of like, I'm over oh. it. Oh, you know what? A lot of people probably want to know our opinion on whether Damon fucked Oberyn or not. Do they? I don't think so, but it's not one that really matters to me. No, I mean, well, I kind of, um, I kind of don't like any pederastic implications of this because, um, Damon was Oberyn's squire at some point, so like when he was quite young. Yeah. And, like, there's no timeline for this relationship at all. Just, like, a kind of offhand comment that Arya makes in his own, in her own thoughts about how there's rumors that uh, Damon was her uncle's lover. But, yeah. If for all we know, Oberyn started those rumors just to be like, I'm Darnish, let me weird people out. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I don't know, just, like, the way that, the way that just Arya thinks about it so casually makes it seem like it might be possible. Yeah, and it also doesn't seem to matter a whole lot to her. No. Well, so it doesn't matter a no whole Martell lot. No Martell has ever been jealous, so. <laughs> what would they possibly have to be jealous of? Exactly. They have everything. Okay, let's move away from Damien. Um, that kind of did it for our glossary, but w- w- there's a couple more, um, Doran general headcanons that we have written down. Yeah. Um, okay, so I have this kind of like silly idea that like, uh, cause they had that, gener- uh, that Westerosi dichotomy between women's and men's roles where men are the warriors. They do the, all the fighting. I know th- there, there, there is some kind of like implication that women are given some kind of education in like general kind of warcraft because, you know, half of the lords in Dorne are women and they're going to be and, in charge during war. So they right, should probably they have know hosts. something. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not, they're not like, you know, jousting or anything like that. They're not on the ground right. fighting. Uh, the, the best, the sand snakes are a, a rather large exception. Yeah. And it, it's, it's like commented on more than once how unusual it is that they can fight with weapons. So, but, 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 I don't, I just have this weird idea is that like, you know, men do like manly warrior things and like women do like money and stuff. <laughs> right? So there's the idea that like, you know, men are better at fighting, but women are better at like math. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, so you have like the Lord Treasurer Sunspear, who was a woman, Alice Lady Wright. And that's what this is all based on. Yeah. But it's just like, like, you know, like the women are like, oh, the men, they're talking about like tourneys again, and they roll their eyes. But the men are just like, oh, the women, they're talking about taxes, and they roll their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alice Lady Wright should be your unproblematic fave, just FYI. She's, yes. Especially in Julia's fic that she's writing right now. We know in zero, both of, she's we know zero about her first. I just have to say only that she's the Lord Treasurer, but yeah, she's yeah. somehow managed to weasel her way into both, both my fags. fanfics, which it's is hilarious. totally consistent with her character in those fanfics because she's kind of a very ambitious social climber. But um, 
And but she climbs that ladder by being very good at taxes, so <laughs> and making jokes about it. Yep. <laughs> taxes are funny when you know you have a bunch of women hanging around. <laughs> They're such nerds. I know. Um, we also, when we were talking about Paramours, we got a question about this. I okay. think, I think it was to you, but whatever, it's fine. Um, I'll, do you want me to read it? Yes, please. Okay. For your Dornish headcanon podcast, is the way so Alarius, <laughs> is the way Alaria is treated, that is, as Oberyn's wife and later widow in all but name, typical of Dornish Paramours, or is she given special treatment specifically because she's Oberyn's Paramour and Oberyn is a powerful and popular figure in Dorne? In a related matter, are the Sand Snakes given important positions in Dorne due to Oberyn's parentage, or is it the fact that they hold an important position indicative of bastards being treated better in Dorne? It's kind of really hard to tell, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, there's no denying that Ilaria is treated very well. And she, but, like, you know, in she, a way that's not in any way commented on. Like, it's not, like, from a purely Darlist perspective, like, there's no reason to have this without comment if it's not typical. That's true. Because she's just seated at the place of high honor during that feast in uh, The Watcher, and yeah. just no one makes a thing of it at all. No, that's, like, that's where she belongs. Like, and Hotel's just obvious. like, okay, she's there. Yeah. Wait, if, Hot- if Hotel's not making a remark about it, He's yeah. It must be must be typical of those wacky Dornish with those wacky sunny with those wacky spicy food that there's um, hurts his tummy. The snakes, I think, are specifically given important positions because of who their dad is. Like yeah, they, they are elevated over other bastards, but obviously, like but our not, man da- but they're not, they're elevated over like others because they're his children. And like, how important is the bastard part? Right, exactly. Because you have, like, Damon Sand, who's, like, the son of an important lord. Well, he's the heir. But he he's from, like, an important Dornish family. And he's basically, like, you know, he's a bastard and nobody, like, says otherwise. But, like, he's basically treated as any other highborn kid, right? Yeah, the only difference is marriage prospects. Mm-hmm. So bastards are certainly treated better in Dorne. That's, you know, yeah. canonical. I, like, you can kind of make, like, you know, the, the kind of the social distinction versus, like, you know, the dynastic distinctions that are made by them. Because, like, in terms of social distinctions, like, there doesn't seem to be much. No. Like. Not at all. Yeah, like, they're they're at, like, you know, the same tables as all the other kids. They're not shoved in a corner like Jon Snow was. Uh, you know, um. Yeah, Damon gets to go on a father-son road trip. Yeah, like, 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 like all, all the times that you basically see Damon stand in the text so far, he's, like, hanging out with his dad. And, you know, he's introduced with all the other ones, uh, to Tyrion when they're in, they're in King's Landing. And that, that first chapter where, uh, Oberyn is introducing the party yeah. to Tyrion. He's just, like, included in the group with everybody else. And, you know, Ilaria is also, like, the bastard of a, of a Dornish lord. And that uh, doesn't seem to, you know, hurt her much. I mean, she can't marry Oberyn, but. She can't marry and she can't inherit, but. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, yeah. So, it's, it kind of just seems like, it's just the reality of the situation is that they mm-hmm. can't, you know, legally be in possession of the stuff, but it's, there's not a treatment issue. Yeah. And, and it doesn't seem to be this idea that like, like bastards are somehow intrinsically evil that exists in oh, the Western Westeros, no. that they're, they're born to treachery, whatever. Cause they're not, they're normally born to paramours, probably. Yeah. And it does say in the world book that like, uh, uh, what's his face, Maester, what's his face comments about how, about the treatment of bastards in Dorne, he says that like nobody seems to care whether you're, you're highborn or bastardborn, which you know isn't true. But um, I, uh, and he says particularly, especially if it's a bastardborn to a paramour, right? It, because as far as they see, that's just like it's this it it's the person's kid. It's just they can't inherit. Yeah, and they should they shouldn't be married for like pragmatic reasons. Yeah, because 
I don't, it's just one of those like things that like you know we can't really understand from our vantage point in the 21st century why it's so important to them that like only children born out of a relationship that has this particular religious ceremony tied to it can inherit. But it seems to be very important to them on a on a very fundamental level. So yeah. So I think that actually does it for our more general Dornish. Uh, we haven't talked about like paramours really as an institution. Well, we've kind of talked around it. Yeah, because what is there to say that's not canonical is what I'm trying to think. The whole, like, we talked about how paramorage is for love Mm -hmm. and marriage is for babies. And they can be of either gender, because, of Mm -hmm. course, gender is binary. Um, In Dorn, it is. Yes. This is this is not a very trans, except inclusive uh, world. Yeah, not not even Dorn is very trans inclusive. Although uh, Sorella is able to kind of push boundaries. Yeah. But um, so this is like an institution that that has like some kind of social sanction behind it. Right. Yes. So so like when you have a paramour, it's it's an official socially sanctioned relationship. It's like sometimes when people talk about like Ariane and her various sexual relationships, they'll, they'll refer to certain people as her paramour. But like, no, Ariane has never had a paramour because a paramour is someone who's like officially your social partner. In fact, she kind of makes this distinction to Eris herself, because mm-hmm. they're clearly fucking already. They're yeah. something. <laughs> They've just had sex. <laughs> and she's saying, I could be persuaded to take you on as my paramour. Which definitely implies that he's not considered her paramour at this point. So paramours are not just lovers, they're... Mm-hmm. they're. Yeah, but it, it's 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 like a common law marriage, I suppose you can say. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's an official, socially sanctioned relationship. Like, the param- your paramour is the person who sits beside you at the feast, right? Yes. It's not. It's not just like your fuck buddy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically your marriage, but you can't have the special ceremony attached. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there are like three reasons why you would have a paramour, basically, instead of a spouse. First of all, because uh, of social distinctions. Like Alaria can't marry Oberyn because he's a prince and she's a bastard. No matter whose bastard she is, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, second of all, because uh, one or both of you are already married. There's no polygamy in Dorne. Mm-hmm. And uh, third of all, because you are of the same gender. Yeah. So, uh, so that's marriage have... is completely heterosexual, but paramours have no such distinction. Yeah. And that's it's not made into a big deal. No, it's homosexuality just... in general is just not a big deal in Dorne. No. And Nymeria just pops in t- up yeah. to Doran and it's like, you know, I was lying in bed with the Fowler twins and I heard my dad was dead. The fuck? Yeah. I know, maybe they were just, like, you know, platonically bed-sharing. Sure, Jan. <laughs> but yeah, that's definitely the, uh, that covers the paramorage. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now uh, do we want to talk about headcanons about specific characters and things? You mean Ariane? <laughs> Potentially. I mean, I think we kind of have to start with her. Well, <laughs> yeah, she's kind of the most important character in Dorn by like, far. Again, this is another... Most of what we think about her that we say and other people don't really know until they talk to us is based <laughs> on analysis. Like, it's not yeah. really headcanons. Like, again, it's, she is Doran 2.0. Mm-hmm. Like, that's analysis. Yeah, she's very, like, um, I know the way I always characterize her is as an introverted extrovert. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't make any sense, I know, but like, um, like, she acts like she's an, extrovert like she's very social she has lots of friends she really cares about them but there are a lot of things that she keeps to herself that she doesn't externalize at all i know you don't like this but she's actually infp-ish 
I have no idea what that means. So, okay. Sure. Uh, like, Myers-Briggs, you know, I don't really think it's all that meaningful either. But to to me, in my opinion, Ariane's social energy, like, she, she seems to draw her own energy from herself, right? She keeps mm-hmm. her own counsel. Like, if we look... Own counsel. What the fuck is console? Like console of Rome. She keeps her own PlayStation 4. Now, yes. um, <laughs> like, if, if you reread the Queenmaker chapter, mm-hmm. you know, she, she secludes herself when she needs to think, right? Like, yeah. she gets a little overwhelmed easily, but she's a very social person because she's very quick to please other people. And it's, you know, we talk about this with Martel. Her relationships are obviously very important to her. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And she is really comfortable in the social space, but she's a lot more introverted than people realize. Like, it's very easy to think she's just this extroverted party girl. Yeah. And no. She does think a little bit in non sequiturs. <laughs> like, I, I love reading her chapters because you'll just be like in her head and she'll be like, okay, we're going to go crab Marcella. Oh, it's a river. I remember one time Tyene and I went to a river. <laughs> Tyene's funny. Remember that time that she and Dre kinked around? Anyway, what are we doing again? You're like focus darling i know you're stressed but come on <laughs> yeah but like that entire chapter is, is basically her like kind of she's always kind of removed from the whole situation like her buddies are just like sitting around the fire getting drunk and acting like idiots and she's just kind of there stressing out but nobody seems to notice that she's not part of this she like physically removed herself mm-hmm. if there's one thing you're gonna read on our reread read the analysis and summary of the Queenmaker chapter by Dorna Schwinniger. I think that was maybe one of the most illuminating mm-hmm. parts of it. Cause it was all about her psyche and it was all about this like introverted nature of her. Why are we talking about this about head cannons? I don't, because people don't seem to think it's self-explanatory. I don't know. That's true. Yeah. Cause this is like, this is analysis that we've done, but when we stated people are like, Whoa, where are you getting that from? Yeah. So, you know, in terms of like actual headcanon headcanons, we can talk about her relationship to Oberon, I guess, because we've kind of, you know, we don't actually see them interact. We see her thinking about him sometimes. Yeah, he he never mentions her in the Storm of Swords, which I still haven't forgiven him for. Uh, really annoys me. But yeah, she seems to idolize him, but kind of. Well, do you want to go with a Doyleist explanation? Because I'm pre- I'm quite certain Martin just didn't plan out having her as a POV yet. Yeah, there's a lot of things that we don't think that Martin had flan- uh, planned out in A Storm of Swords. <laughs> like um, Mama Martell hanging out with a 12-year-old. <sighs> yeah, we can talk this about that later. This is my best friend. <laughs> I have five children. Let's go hang out with a bunch of teenagers in King's Landing. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Oh, well, two of them are dead, so. Yeah, well, they still can't. Um, Poor Larissa and her dead babies. Yeah. Sorry. It was a real Ariad. strain on her marriage. Um <laughs> You see, this is how we expected Dornish headcat an hour to go. Yeah. Just non sequiturs of us just saying shit, and both of us have perfect understanding of what <laughs> we're talking about. Woe betide anybody who hasn't read my fanfic. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Well, she clearly, like, idealizes Oberyn. Like, it's stated several times that she, she like, um, she kind of thinks, I, like, that she wished... Like, the thing with Arian is that she says something, and but, like, there's no evidence for it. Like, she says things just like, you know, like, I was... I was stupid to trust Darkstar, but then when you see her interacting with Darkstar, it's clear that like he gives her the heebie-jeebies and she doesn't. And trust that she him doesn't all. trust him at all. Yeah, <laughs> so... no, she's just very down on herself, and yeah. she'll say things that it's like you know, uh, she she always fucking does this, where she just yeah. like asserts this shit, and you're like, um, receipts, darling. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? So she th- says things like that. She like she grew up wishing that Oberyn was her father, but like everything she's ever done is like 
you know, daddy, please love me. So <sighs> I think she tried to convince herself. My head yeah. is that she tried to convince herself she wanted Oberyn as a father for a long time. Cause mm-hmm. like that's, and you know, it would have meant more freedom. It would have definitely meant her inheriting. Um, yeah. So obviously there is like appealing things. You know what we have to talk about? Cause everyone always fucking brings this up with or- Oberyn and Ariane. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, she wants to have sex with him. Oh my God. <sighs> and it's like, you have to understand that Oberyn is, is the image of what a Dornish man is supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the thing he's about. He's really not into taxes. <laughs> he's really not into taxes. And Doran <laughs> is too, mm-hmm. you know, patient. That's everyone's yeah. so annoyed with him that they're chucking fruit at him. Yeah. But Oberyn is, you know, he's the viper, right? Yeah. Well, she does have that like fantasy in the Queen mm-hmm. Maker where the person she describes looks kind of suspiciously like Oberyn. But uh-huh. like, but I think so it's what? more about what Oberyn represented than yeah. she actually wants to fuck her uncle. Yeah, it might be like, you know, some vaguely Freudian thing going on, but that's, that's normal enough too. Right. But people just hyper focus on mm-hmm. it. It's like, who the fuck? Ca-? Like, she obviously wasn't jumping in bed with her uncle. No. So who cares? <sighs> she idolizes him in a way, but I think that's only because she doesn't recognize her own idolization of Doran. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. I don't think she ever will totally recognize that either. Yeah. Cause she's too, uh. I know, but like, like, but like, you know, the, the paralyzation of the two characters kind of mean, every time she's criticizing Doran, she's criticizing herself. So yeah. when she says things like, you know, you don't measure up to Oberyn, she means herself just as much as she means Doran. Oh, absolutely. <sighs> Those two just, uh, <laughs> it's gross. Don't touch us. <laughs> so, right. Her, her relationship with Oberyn is complicated. Mm-hmm. And I think everything that she says, you can't really take it at face value, mm. you know, because she is so, she's a pretty unreliable narrator just because she's yeah. so self-deprecating. I don't know. God, what, should we get into like a really weird headcanons for her? Yeah, well, um, I, I think when we first started getting into her, like when, basically when you and I first started talking online, just like, um, yeah. we were kind of hyper-focused on her sex life as much as anybody. So we did a lot of giggling about how she she liked devil's threesomes and she, yeah yeah she, and we've kind of really pulled back on that since so well because you know this was before our reread because i remember um actually one of the first ways she came up with you and me talking about it was that uh julia opened a thread it was peer pressure westeros.org no it was all her um okay. that, <laughs> that was what sex positions do the characters prefer yeah and her comment for Ariad was that she would try a different one. She would never do the same one twice with the same with partner. The same partner yeah. Except maybe Damon, if they ever had gotten to that point. Yeah, I don't know. Fourteen-year-old derpy sex doesn't have much position variety. I don't think. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, so we were talking about that. We were talking about like her yeah. MMF threesome preference. Uh, yeah, but, like since since we've really pulled back from like her crazy bed hopping ways i don't think it's as bad as most people characterize it or bad it's not like in our mind she probably fucked everyone in her queen maker group (laughs) except except garen no well we know for sure that uh she has yeah she's let's count her sexual partners because it's so illuminating so she's definitely (laughs) fucked damon she's Uh definitely at least kinked around with dre yeah uh because like you know she says so uh and she has slept with dark star um, I think it's quite clear from the text because she like there's this like comment which says that like she's seen his eyes from a different vantage point. <laughs> yeah. So like, but it it is confirmed in the app, which is canonical that they they were lovers. And she's obviously that was pretty obvious. Yeah, she's obviously slept with Aris O'Hart, 
So that's like four confirmed sexual partners. Did she sleep with Desiel, uh, Jerry's older brother? Um, he wanted to marry her and you kind of get the impression that like, I mean, of course everyone wants to marry her because yeah. she's like, that's the best marriage in, that you could have. Yeah. But you also kind of get the feeling that maybe she fucked both Jerry brothers, like yeah. both doll brothers. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the only confirmed ones we know. Unfortunately, those happen to be the ones completely around her at all times, so yeah, it puts them into sharp focus. Mm-hmm. But the headcanon that we at least go with is that she's at least, like, we probably think she's been involved in some kind of threesome situation with Silva. <laughs> it doesn't matter, but that's just, like, <laughs> the headcanon we go with. Yeah, it's just, uh, when we talk about Oberyn, we'll talk more about the whole promiscuity thing. Um, yeah, but no, she absolutely did not fuck Garen, and I will fight anyone on that. It really does not matter if she did or not, Kylie. It does. Garen is gross. <laughs> uh, I don't know. If you want, if you want some like Arian sex-related silliness, go read my fanfic. Yeah, our Eris has a nice ass in it, yeah. which is something that actually that was a a head cannon that we came up with a long time ago. And it just like it's canon in our brains. It's, we we have to like remind ourselves that we made that up. Yeah, he's uh, known for his ass. Dre is known for Conalingus. Like, yeah, it's just it's how it is. Um, but the the other thing about this is like. She really isn't, you know, she's not as crazy and out of control with sex as everyone makes her out to be. Mm-hmm. And she's not going to fucking hop in bed with her stupid vanilla wafer cousin. It's unlikely. Or if she does, it's going to be in a very specific context of, like, doing what she thinks she has to for Dorne. She's not going to see 16-year-old derp and be like, <laughs> oh, yeah, let me get in bed with this. Sign me up. Like, yeah. no, she likes bad boys. She likes Damon. Well, and he's right there. He's right there. Like, ugh. I mean, there's probably a reason he's right there, you know? Like, I love that people assume that she's going to be so into Aegon because she thought she and Darkstar would have kids that were as beautiful as Dragonlords. Yeah. And they're like, oh, therefore she likes all Targ features all the time. But, like, she's 23, Mm -hmm. right? And her cousin's 16. And he doesn't seem very experienced or impressive. And he seems kind of sexist. Sexist, yeah. So she's not going to be impressed with him. No, I doubt it. Well, I don't know. I, it's useless to speculate about it. Yeah. But that's like, it really annoys this woman. It's just this <laughs> foregone conclusion. Yeah. We could do an entire episode just about Ariane and her character. So, um, yeah. Let's move on to um, her siblings. Let's do, yeah. let's do Triss first, that punk. That punk who we never see because he's like hiding somewhere or something. So our headcanon is that he was grounded. Um, <laughs> Ariane grounded and, him. And that's why... Yeah, Ariane granted him, and that's why he wasn't, like, at that place to receive Doran mm-hmm. when Doran came back from the Water Gardens for the first time in, like, years. Yeah, in two like, years. Yeah, Triss, where the fuck are you? That's your, that's the Prince of Doran. That's your father, first of all. Um, and the reason he got grounded is because he's a little bit of a, he's a little bit of a punk. Mm-hmm. Um, in our mind, don't ask how this started. He is a finger drummer. Yeah, he wants to be in a band. And he sneaks out at night. <laughs> To practice. <laughs> yes. But and he always plays hooky on his night lessons, because he's not very martial. But Arian's like, you gotta go to your night your night lessons, Tris. It is kind of canonical that he's not that martial. Like, we don't, he's not a squire of anyone from what we can tell. Yeah, and- they, they certainly don't mention it. And like, even Doran was a squire when he was nine, it's mentioned. Yeah. So it's, it's a little weird that he's not. So we just think, I think that's how it's because we're like, what's yeah. he doing? And we're like, maybe he's a, into music. Yeah. And then somehow that became that he's the punk that's a finger drummer and he gets grounded because of it. Yeah. He's obviously like, you know, quite like, uh, I've said, but he kind of reminds you of Steven Universe. He's obviously like kind of very sensitive and he's not really 
ashamed of his sensitivity in any way. He just lets it kind of hang out. Yeah, he just like wants to play chess with his bud, with his jam yeah. bud. Yeah, yeah. It's the, he he cries when she leaves and everything like that. And, you know. Yeah, I named my cat after him because my cat <laughs> follows me around and cries. So yeah, we really like Tris. Yeah, we do. Yeah, and I like and and I like the name too because then I call my cat my little prince. So. <laughs> It works out. Uh, let's talk about Quentin. Uh, we don't spend a hell of a lot of time thinking about Quentin the poor guy. Nobody else does either. Well, here's the thing. We did a full Quentin reread because yeah. we're like, we can't wait to be in his head. And then we got in his head and we're like, okay. He's fine. He's, he's fine. He's just some guy. Like, that's the whole thing, that he's just this nice, this nice boy. He's perfectly adequate. Yeah. And, and just like, he does not have that Martel je ne sais quoi. No. I mean, he has the, like, I am Dorn sentiment. Mm-hmm. So he has the Martell guilt for sure. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely a Martell, but it's just, he's not like, this is like a family that's full of like, you know, these kind of legendary historical figures. You know, you got like old lady throwing people out of windows and people stabbing each other in the neck with peace banners and like telling dragons to fuck off. And then you have Quentin, who's just like, he's mud and like, yeah. he's really not that similar to Doran. I mean, he is in some ways, mm-hmm. but it's not as much as people make it out to be. He thinks at he's all. very similar to Doran. He thinks he's similar to Doran because he looks like Doran and he mm-hmm. thought to himself, oh, if I like think through everything first, that's how to be princely. But it, he's just not. He's just not. So yeah, we don't really spend a whole ton of time headcanoning him. We think mm-hmm. he was a nerd because it's pretty canonical. <laughs> well, that, that is kind of, he's like a book nerd and he's not like very, not very amorous, if that's the right word. Like, um, a lot of teenage boys have kind of like, you know, an amorous instinct that he just doesn't seem to have. I don't know what the terminology is for it, but yeah, he's just not. What what is it? Overtly sexual? Is yeah. that the rest of development? Yeah, he's not. I know he's like in a social position where he could basically just get anyone he wants, but he's not interested. Although, like you know, his bros really like him. Like yeah. uh, Cletus, Drink, like they're all really, really devoted to him. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So it's good. Um, another thing too is that. He's definitely Quentin Martell, and stop gaslighting him and saying that he's the real egg on or whatever that is that people do with his point of view. Like, just stop it. Yeah, stop he's it. definitely, he's definitely a Martell. Which is not a headcanon, but I just am so annoyed that <laughs> that sentiment even exists. Uh, there's he's, a lot of crazy ideas out there in this fandom. Here's the thing. He is mud, like Barristan thinks. Mm-hmm. Um, and what Arion thinks about him in the sample chapter where it's like, it would be really silly to think of this guy as a king. She's kind of right. Yeah, like, that's, like, I don't know, like, in terms of her character and things like that, like, you know, it's, I don't think it's, it's as, it's very straightforward. But, like, yeah, like, she kind of hasn't pinned, yeah, like. She does, and, and part of that is that, you know, her whole thing, she, she projected a lot onto Quentin mm-hmm. because she couldn't think ill of Doran, so it was like, I know, oh. if you read, like, the old stuff about Quentin from before Dance of Dragons came out. Like, people were not expecting what they got because of the way that she projects onto him. Yeah, because she was, like, projecting that basically he was this, you know, really ambitious and out to get, you know, become the Prince of Dorne. Yeah, and um, he, like, like, the, like, he obviously knows that he was, you know, up to inherit Dorne and that's, that's disappeared now. And he doesn't even think about it. No. Like, he doesn't, like, he, he has, like, what, four chapters? He's too stressed out thinking about Danny because he's yeah. so nervous. No, but like he doesn't even think that like I could have been I could have been the Prince of Dorne and that's been taken away from me now. Right. I guess because King of Westeros is supposed to be a promotion. Yeah, sure, whatever. Um, <laughs> I know we we have, and he never thinks about, about Arianne at all. Like he thinks about her like once that she would scorn him if he returned a failure. 
And that's only in the context he's also thinking about his dad and the sand snakes. Yeah. So we have we have these weird headcanons about what was what it was like when he came to visit for like awkward <laughs> family dinners. Like it's yeah. you know like Doran's birthday party. Mm-hmm. So like you yeah. know the Ironwoods come into town and it just was probably incredibly uncomfortable because you know Arianne's got her cool kids club going on and yeah she's probably just being really passive aggressive to him and the poor guy has no idea why. It's like why does th- my sister hate me? I don't understand. Yeah, the thing with her too is that she was kind of looking. For- she was looking for something good in him, like looking for really redeeming qualities. Like maybe he has this that I don't have. Yeah. And this is why Doran's doing it. Like she was trying to let Doran off so much, but then like yeah. in her assessment, it's just like, I am, I am more suited to this than he is. I don't get it. Yeah. She thinks that like, you know, he, he's, he's a good boy. That's basically like, that's all you can say about him. And like the word boy just gets attached to him very easily. Like he's, he's 18, right? When he dies. He's frog. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> So he's he's like you know a man grown by any estimation in Westeros, but like I don't it, it, it's like he's not like you know a fully kind of realized grown adult man yet. Like he's still very much kind of still discovering himself. But and like yeah, even like little dead. things, even little things, Oberyn offered to knight him, and you just like what's going on? What's going on there? You yeah. know? Well, I somehow doubt that he's super impressive. With I don't know, he's probably fine. He's middling in, like, everything. Like, there's nothing wrong with the poor kid. And he tries really hard. You know, like, he just, like, that whole reread, like, when I wrote the kind of summation uh, post yeah. for that reread, I just felt so horrible, because I just... Because our, our whole question was, everyone says his mm-hmm. his point of view is extraneous and didn't need to be there. So our whole reread, we were determined to, like, find out why it needs to be there. Don't get me wrong, I love his point of view. Mm-hmm. I think it adds a cool element. I'm really happy it's there. But we ended up with, like, we set out to answer the question does he justify himself and we ended up with a kawaii shrug like yeah maybe i mean like his arc has literary merit it's just kind of doesn't really belong in the story like this is it really necessary in the story strictly what does that even mean when you're talking about literary merit who knows right but i mean yeah. i'm a i'm a martellophile so i'm happy it was there <laughs> i could see why people were frustrated with it too yeah Let's talk about Oberyn, because we have more headcanons for Oberyn. Yeah, there's a, like, Oberyn is just kind of, um, he's very opaque, like, because he never has a point of view, obviously, and he's not, like, a carbon copy of another character who has a point of view. So, um... Oh, Doran. Yeah. But, like, the thing about Oberyn in A Storm of Swords is that you see him uh, 95% from Tyrion's point of view, a little bit from Sansa's, and, like, Tyrion has a lens, Right. Oh boy, does he ever! <laughs> and Oberyn, and Tyrion's a little bit racist too. You guys, yeah. Well, not not especially so, but yeah. Um, but he's still like Westerosi in mm-hmm. his view of Dorne. Yeah, I know. When you calling people racist when they're just like the standard of the society is probably not very useful. Like you can call we the call Kevin racist. a sexist. I mean, yeah. I think it's fair. Yeah, it is, but it's not like especially. I don't know. I just meant his lens of the Dornish is colored through that. Yeah, you know? absolutely. But and and like Oberyn, like once you spend a lot, like after you read like a Feast for Crows and you spend some time thinking about it, like you can really tell how much Oberyn is playing everything up. Oh yeah, in that book, like he's he's definitely trying to make a particular impression on people. Absolutely. Even like even people playing up Oberyn and Alaria's like crazy sex life, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is the norm for them. I think they're on vacation and trying to enjoy themselves and trying to weird everyone out too. Yeah, well it's it's I think it's mostly weirding everybody out. 
yeah. than anything. But like, you know, the serpent's whore and she worships the you know, Lucini sex god and then yeah. we see we see her among her people and she's like the most normative character there is. Yeah. Well, like, you know, Shay has heard all these rumors about her that yeah that she yeah. worships Lysani Logos. And she was almost a whore when Prince Oberyn found her, which doesn't make any sense because She doesn't know, make any sense. She's the bastard of you know, Harbin Oler. That makes yeah. no sense. She's like the child of a great lord, and unless he's like the most negligent, horrible father ever, I don't think she was anywhere close to being a sex worker at any point. Yeah. Um And then they they seem tight too, like her and her father, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well that's certainly I mean in your fic you explored that a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um but no, but like when when she feels that you know things are hitting the fan, she and she runs she, to she, Hall, she, yeah. She, yeah, she runs to her dad's house and takes her youngest daughter with her. So that Laurie's a- yeah, I like her. Uh, that implies <laughs> that they're at least you know he, he, yeah they're tight. So she she's at least not feels she's safe not there. one step off of being a whore on the yeah. street. That was not like that's not a thing. I guarantee you, Oberyn was like yo. Tell them this. Yeah. And like, it'd be really funny. And like, you know, Shay said that the, they have two daughters together when, like, even in the Storm of Swords in the appendix, it said they had four, so. Yeah, I think Oberyn knows his part pretty well. Like, Mm -hmm. he was gonna be there to turn heads and. Yeah. He was gonna make a lot of noise and. No, well, uh, part of the kind of like, um, the theory we kind of have around the timeline with uh, Quentin Gate and everything is that he's he went to King's Landing. Uh, like a, a large part of the reason he went to King's Landing was to like stir up shit and distract everyone from Quentin leaving. Right. Right. Like he knows there's eyes everywhere. So yeah. when he's he's outright telling Tyrion, "Let's crown Marcella," <laughs> I think he knew people yeah. were listening. Yeah. Like that's not something you just casually suggest to fucking Tyrion Lannister. Like he knew he knew what he was doing. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then we also do, like, he certainly went rogue with the mountain. Um, I think so. Because there's these two little pieces of information in, uh, which Macaulay in the captain of guards that seem con- self-contradictory, right? Like first Dorn is talking about how he and he and Oberyn were eating blood oranges and talking. And Oberyn said that, you know, he could, uh, when he was a child, he used to, you know, knock over larger men. He could do it one more time. But and but then uh later on in the same chapter he says to Nymeria that you know your father did way more than I asked him to do. So was that the same chapter or yeah. was that in uh, the Watcher? I'm not sure. I'm quite sure they're both in the same chapter. Um, okay. So like you have these two kind of like pieces of like that's that's a contradiction, right? Yeah. So so I, how we've how we've yeah. reconciled it in our head is that like. Doran knew this was going to be a risk, but it was a risk that he didn't want Oberyn to take. So he's yeah. probably like, don't do this, don't do it. And Oberyn's yeah. like, no, I can do it. I can, I've, I used to knock kids over in the pools all the time. And yeah, Doran's but Doran was like, like okay, oh, don't do it. Stop it. You're not doing this. <laughs> but then, like, obviously he sends him. He knows that's a big risk. Yeah. And, uh, oh, should we, we never said this, but we also had kind of, um, this is back with Ariane, but, she was made the party planner of Doran, basically. Yeah. And we think that, like, we don't think that was Doran's way of being rude. Like, if she was to really be the queen of Westeros and married to Viserys, mm-hmm. then those would be skills important to hone for that position. No, but I, I no, I, I think it was him being rude. I think that's, like... I think it was... That, that was a way to sidelight her without, like, raising any red flags with anybody else. You know, it's an important. She's like the public head of the family at that point in that position, right? Yeah, that's true. So, like, yeah. like the other lords and everybody who's like watching the family, which you know, probably everybody is, they would they wouldn't see anything unusual in her taking on that role. And that's true. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Sometimes it's it's difficult. I sometimes want to be very forgiving to Doran, mm-hmm. and I sometimes just really want to hate him <laughs> for this because, like, he's the parent. He really should have been the one to be talking. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I can't get back into father daughter feels. Back you want to get back to uh, mother uh, son feels? <laughs> oh, right. So we have really, really specific um, head canons about Oberyn's relationship with his mother, with mm-hmm. Mama Martell. Yeah. Our view is that like he he's kind of. It's like, it's like he's a really bright child, right? Yeah. With all this potential, but he also seems to, like, not be able to focus on anything and not be able to channel it, right? Yeah. Well, if, if you look at, like, you can kind of, uh, track his movements in the early part of his life through, like, uh, the daughters he left behind, basically. And, yeah, like, you know, he seemed like a complete asshole. He really did. Oh, yeah. So, um, we know that when he was 12 or 13, he was in Old Town. And that is when he made little Obara. Uh, right. And her mother was, uh, like, a sex worker in, like, a really shitty brothel. Um, yeah. Not even, like, a high-end brothel. And um, then uh, at some point after that, like, two or three years after, after that was Edgar Gate, right? Yes. You want to talk about Edgar Gate? What do we know about Edgar Gate? Uh, we, we talked about this a little bit before, where we don't mm-hmm. know for sure if Oberyn poisoned him on purpose. What 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 this is is that um, Edgar Ironwood had a paramour. We don't know the gender of the paramour, and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Oberyn slept with the paramour, and Edgar apparently challenged Oberyn to a duel. He was sixteen at this point. Oberyn was sixteen. Yeah. Oberyn was sixteen. Edgar was like seventy. How old? It says like old. Yeah, old Lord Ironwood. I don't know. It doesn't really say. In my fit canon, he would be 70 at that point, yeah. So, Oberyn wins the duel, but the wound that Edgar gets during the duel, like, festers, and people suspected it might have been poison, but... Yeah. I think the ambiguity Yeah, and so Edgar dies as mm-hmm. a result of it, and... And this is a problem. Yeah, this is a major political problem, and, yeah. like, I think I think we said that uh, Mama Martell might have wanted to kill him. Yeah. But th- the other... We have a very specific headcanon about this, too, where it's not about the paramour, dude. It's yeah. not about the jealousy. Because, like, the Ironwoods kind of have, like, a very kind of long-standing issue with the Martells. They're, like, the number two family in Dorne, so they're always going to be, like, you know, the, the source of pushback. Right. Um, you know, Nymeria married Moore's Martell and not, you know, what's-his-face, so. Yorick. Yorick Ironwood. <laughs> yeah. Or is it Yorick? Uh, <laughs> who knows? Um, and, like... Apparently, like, at, at this time, the relationship was strained because the Ironwoods were involved in the Blackfire Rebellions. Three? All th- yeah, three of them, which is, like, the first one, okay, you can kind of get, like, but by the fourth one, you're just like, dude, are you stupid? Right. <laughs> like, have you read the world book? Yeah. Yeah, so. Which, we also had kind of an Ironwoods involvement mm-hmm. in uh, the Blackfire Rebellion. It's not really about the Blackfires. It's uh, more that. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's a really complicated situation to kind of explain, but like uh, one of the main kind of motivations behind the Blackfire Rebellion from the Blackfire's point of view is like the Dornish influence at court, right? Because this was very soon after Dorne joined the Seven Kingdoms, right? Right. With, it was after. Yes, exactly. With um, Mar- uh, marrying Daenerys, but before that, even uh, Princess uh, Princess uh, Mariah who was mm-hmm. the daughter of the Prince of Dorne, married uh, Prince Darren, who became king. And, like, it kind of seemed like like he was, like, yeah, her influence was problematic for people. She was way too influential. But uh, she brought, like, a bunch of people with her. And this was before, like, Dorne was actually part of the Seven Kingdoms. So, like, 
And one one of the Blackfire's major grievances was the Dornish influence at court. They thought it was problematic. And right. So the the question kind of becomes: Why would any Dornish house then side with the Blackfires? Yeah. But what we've headcanoned is that it's hard to imagine them caring about the Blackfire's claim. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely hard to imagine. So what we've headcanoned is that perhaps there was talk of Dornish independence on the table, but mm-hmm. at at the least, it would have been okay. House Ironwood is going to now be the mm-hmm. liege lord of Dorne. Because the the Blackfire peeps, they weren't happy with the treaty either because it gave Dorne too much autonomy. What they wanted was like a Dorne that was actually conquered. Right. And so like it's kind of, you know, Star Trek Six, where the 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 Klingons and the people in Starfleet, they like get together to assassinate Chancellor Galran so there isn't a peace treaty so they can keep fighting. Yes, it's kind of like yes, that. Yes. They got together to create a situation where they could keep fighting. <laughs> right. And yeah. we're pretty sure that Ironwoods, like, were petitioning to, like, be the head honchos at the end yeah. of this. Like, that's what they were hoping for, so. Well, if you're going, if you're going to shoot that treaty in the head, you gotta get rid of the Martells because it's kind of their entire thing yeah. now. They kind of staked their entire legitimacy on it. Exactly. So, for Edgar dueling Oberyn, like, dude, it's not about the Paramore. Yeah. Like, we're, Almost positive that he was just waiting for an excuse, and this is, like, what he jumped at. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, believe it or not, in Dorne, they actually do have some kind of uh, conception of sexual agency, so. Yeah. I know. It, it's Maybe he was just an asshole. Who, it's like, possible. you know, thought that. But it, it, seems, it seemed like odd behavior. Yeah. I would have liked to be a fly on the wall for mm-hmm. that conversation between Larisa and Ormond. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> That would not have been a fun conversation. No, not at all. Um, so t- let's talk generally about Martell's because this is no, one- no. We still have to talk about Oberyn. You have to talk about the rest of his life. Um, oh Jesus! So, so after Edgar Gate, he was like exiled, but no one dared call it exile. So we think that Mom just told him to like you know, get the fuck away from me. I don't even want to look at you. Yeah. <laughs> don't come back until like I say you can. So then um, he, uh, the text says that he goes to Old Town first, back to Old Town first. But then he ends up in the Free Cities. And we know this because he has another baby uh, yeah, yeah. when he's like 18 or 19, right? Mm-hmm. In Volantis. Or like mm-hmm. her mother is from Volantis. That, that's Nymeria. Um, I don't know if they were in Volantis when they were making baby. Nymeria. When did she get to Dorne? I know when Obero did, but. No, we, we have no idea. We don't know. Yeah. Okay. Right. And then he, uh, we, we know that he fought with the second sons for at least a year because that's how long their contracts are. And then we're told that he formed Knowing his- him, it was probably one year. Yeah. Uh, and then he, we're told that he formed his own cell phone company, which was not the Bloody Mummers. Um- <laughs> it was not the Bloody Mummers. Holy shit. <laughs> and it was probably just like, you know, him and a bunch of friends that got drunk. They're like, we're a free company now. And it lasted for like three months. Yeah, absolutely. So we know he was in Westeros at some point uh, two years after that because Tyene came along. Mm-hmm. And Tyene's mother is a Septa. And we don't think she's Septa Lamar. That would be very unlikely. Um, yeah, so, so, yeah, Oprin was having sex with nuns. Yep. That would have been a fun letter for, uh, <laughs> Mama Martel to get. Yeah. Like, seriously, just imagine you were this man's mother. Mm-hmm. Not only his, his mother, but his liege lord. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, um, yeah, so, and Tyene seems to have mostly grown up in Doran, not with her mother, but, yeah, at least, yeah. um, I mean, her mother read to her 
in yeah. the cradle. But, but she also at, like clearly grew up like with Ariane for a very long time. At least from five on. Yeah, they, they learned like, they learned how to read together and dance together and things like that. So have sex with Dre together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're very close. <laughs> and then at some point, Mama Martel died, and we know she died uh, before Elia married Rhaegar. Yeah, but we don't have an actual date. Yeah, I mean, Oberyn made her pop off early from stress. Yeah, probably. Um. <laughs> and we actually think that Oberyn has Martell guilt about yes. this. Yeah, I mean, that's our headcanon, that he... Yes. He's kind of... Finally got to a headcanon. Yeah, he, that he's... um, fit. Yeah, he feels very guilty about how he just wasn't... He couldn't please his mother. He wasn't good enough for her. And then to add to that guilt, you yeah. know, there's Elia's death when he was away. Yeah, Elia so. was probably, like, you know, the one who always... Please, mommy. But uh, he yeah, was... I think she and Doran were probably yeah. similarly dutiful. It's just she had a better sense of humor. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was with her when she died because we know that they had a deathbed conversation about uh, about Tywin Lannister. Yeah. Because he told Tyrion. Yeah. And then we don't know when Sorella comes along in the timeline. like um, Because we know that he went and fetched Obara around this time. Around the time Isn't that... is Sorella Mama like Martel... 18? She's 20. She's 20? Yes. Okay. Around the time Mama Martell died is around the time that he picked up Obara, which is around the time Sorella must have been conceived. So I like to think this all happened kind of like in the same, same time. He was oh really sad. God. He was really sad that his mom died. So he's like, I have this kid. I, I should go like see her. <laughs> but then like on the boat there, he like fucked the kid. She's captain and had another daughter. Oh <laughs> that sounds very over in life. In- yeah. And then we don't think he was in Westeros during Robert's Rebellion. No. Um, at least we had kind of him in Essos. I forget why. It just doesn't seem like he was around. Yeah. Like, maybe this was the time when he was being a sellsword. Sure. Because... When he was starting his own company and... Yeah, so, so basically how it works is he picks up his daughter, drops her off with his, with his brother, and then goes off and has another adventure. What an asshole. But he was at the Tourney at Hall. He was mourning. Yeah. Yes, he, he, he was, was at the, at the Tourney at Hall. Hall. Yeah, and he danced with the Charadane. They're probably fucking. <laughs> I'll, I'll, you know, it's an official headcanon. Yes. But uh, he's probably not her baby daddy. Um, no. I think it's Brandon pretty Stark. clear who her baby daddy is. Yes. We'll get, we'll get to the Danes. Yeah. So, yeah, he wasn't in Westeros during Robert's Rebellion or else why would, why would he not be fighting? But he was there after, in the aftermath when Elliot was dead. Yeah. Because he tried to declare for Viserys. Yeah, he tried to that. stir up some shit and... He was somehow prevented from doing so. And yeah, I have headcanons about that, too. Um, well, why don't you share that? Yeah, this is headcanons. I'm kind of embarrassed by some of my headcanons because they're yeah, so, why like, are, broadly well, detailed. We're just, like, just giving you text. Get to the headcanons. Come on. Yeah. Well, I think that, like, something Queenmaker-esque happened. And Doran had to, like, very stop him. assertively stop him in a, like, not by talking. And, um... I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah. And... Uh, by the time that John Aaron came to Doran to talk them down, it seems that this was like the whole declaring for the service is no longer a thing. Yeah, because Doran had the long play in mind mm, already. I mean, yeah. he had that marriage contract drafted probably by then. Well, Oberyn was the witness to that contract, so he was the one who went to Bravos to talk to Willem Dare. Right, right. Well, so at least he had the idea in mind. Yeah, that was probably after John Aaron came to Doran. Yeah, and but this was a uh, very. Uh, very significantly, this is the time that he seems to have gotten together with Hilaria Sam. And that seems to have been what, like, kind of calmed him the fuck down, too. Yeah, it's, it's very, like, Liv Tyler in the Hulk. Um, 
Are you watching that right now, Julia? I just finished it, actually. We'll talk later. So, yeah, she seems to have kind of like a, like a grow the fuck up Oberyn effect on him. Yeah. Because, um, he settled down, basically. I mean, like. And she probably thought he was like a rock star, too. Like, think about uh, that. Yeah. She was young, and he was. Well, we don't, we don't know how young he, she is, actually, but. He's 42 when he died. I doubt that she's any older than that. Yeah, I thought she was, like, at least 10 years younger than him. I don't know why I have that in my head. Well, that's what I put in my fic. (laughs) That's probably why. (laughs) That's fine. There's no, there's no actual textual evidence one way or the other. Okay. Um, so yeah, they settled down and they started, started having babies, basically. Like, really settled down, like, Mm -hmm. super settled down. Like, Like, like we're told that he barely leaves Dorne anymore. Uh, we know that he left a couple of times. He, uh, he left to take Tyene and her sisters and Arya to visit her mom. (laughs) Just a bit of fun road trip. Can you imagine him trying to control these, like, girl? Yeah. Yeah. That must that, have been a good time. And he also, my like, head is mostly that, like, wherever he goes, he just spends, like, massive amounts of money. <laughs> like, because, you know, he's, like, this, like, extremely privileged rich boy. He doesn't know the difference between, like, copper and gold coins. So he just takes yeah. everyone in gold coins. <laughs> yeah. He's very privileged. Well, all the yeah. Martells are a bit privileged, aren't they? A bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are we... What, do we have more headcounts on Dor- Oberyn, or can we talk about Martell privilege? Um, well, he's like the poster boy for Martell privilege, or just privilege in general, I think. So, yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> no, but we have, like, these headcounts that even within Dorne, like, Martell privilege is crazy. Like, it's the kind of thing where it's everyone stands when a Martell enters the room, yeah. and just without thinking about it, it's just like a reflex. Well, they're like, they're like the royal family. I mean, like, you know, they're not, yeah. they don't have the king title but that's what they are basically yeah. and their autonomy is kind of insane so yeah they're like you know they're the royal family so you stand when a royal enters the room yeah exactly and you know our other we have a very specific headcanon that if and if there's a feast or a dance or whatever anytime <laughs> there is a martel dancing everybody stops and watches to, and praises them you have to stop and watch and be like all right let's all praise the martels the martels are dancing <laughs> It's like, oh, Jesus, how long is this song? You're dancing to this? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. We could, oh, hot and cold martels. Yeah, this is something I made up for my fic. I this, like it though. Okay, this isn't some kind of weird plug for my fic, okay? But, uh, oh, this, this fic she's talking about, by the way, is her first one. Yeah, the, the, um, the Princess and the Scepter. So yeah, I just like made up this thing for someone to say at a feast. That, uh, they say that there are only two kinds of martels, the hot and the cold. Yeah. So you either have, like, you know, uh, Oberyn, who's kind of, you know, this crazy bad boy who punches people and, like, has sex a lot. Or you have, you have Doran, Doran who's, like, super chill. And. Right. And what's fun is that everyone thinks that Ariane is a hot Martell, but she's, a cult. she's a cult. Just, just what Eglantine realizes in the course of the thing. Yes. It's... Eglantine is a very wise Septa. Yeah. She yeah. should stop being so judgmental, though. <laughs> Go read the fic, honestly. <laughs> it's like our Dorna Shed Cannon Hour on uh, Parade. Yeah. Um. So, Cold Martells especially uh, have a, a very special talent called a Martell face. Yes. And this is just the idea that they can silence someone with a look. Yeah, and and, and it's, it's, it's like because of their privilege. Like, I, I don't think that, like, you know, if they were some peasants who came to the palace, they couldn't Martell face anyone. But, um, yeah, it's just like... Do you know who I am? What the fuck are you doing? And just whoever is transgressing is immediately just like, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. And it's not like you don't even have to say anything. It's just. A- yeah. And uh, 
you know, I think Ariane whips it out a few times yeah, in the text. She does. Like we we see we see Mortel face in action. Mm-hmm. And Doran so. definitely has it. I mean, he's just kind of Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like uh, it, it it's just the kind of just kind of like the gravitas that they have just because of the permission that just makes everyone just take them very seriously. <laughs> They basically are royalty, yeah. Yeah, like exactly. You know, it, it's just like, you know, they have like a thousand thousand years behind them, where you're just like, you know, you don't mess with these people. So it's uh, for anyone who's a fan of uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender, it's that whole thing that Azula says, where it's like the divine right to rule is something you're born with, mm-hmm. um, and that's just the Martells. And yeah. but it's not actually Quint- like any kind of like genetic God-given thing. It's just. Like, it's just that's how they they just yeah. have these. Like, the world is built around this idea. So yeah, they have these thousands yeah. of years of this experience, and that's how they're go- they're going to act in accordance with it. Yeah, and then I'm going to take our Martell head cannons and apply them to Fire Lord Azumi because they can <laughs> in my fic. Yes, <laughs> um, we should move on from the Martells what? before we kill it. Okay. What what else is there to talk about? Like Mama Martell hanging out with Joanna? Uh, yeah. Well, um, I don't. It's clear to us that this is like this has a, a Doyleist explanation that like Martin hadn't figured out the timeline yet, and there was that five year gap before Feast for Crows that screwed up everything. And so, yeah. Basically, as it stands, you have Mama Martell, who at this point, uh, had three children. Had three children. Like, uh, she had, like, a ten-year-old son and, like, two, like, toddlers, basically. Elia and Oberyn. And she decides, at this time, to go to court and be a companion to a little girl. And hang out with her bestie, Joanna Lannister, and have, like, like a really big kind of influence on her. Yeah. And, like, this can all be explained if the timeline was, in fact, was, like, you know, if Doran was only supposed to be a couple years older than, than Oberyn. And, you know, it's all... You know, everyone is supposed to be a lot younger than they ended up being. But, um, yeah, I'm like, people try to make this make sense and say that, like, you know, like, uh, a princess's companions aren't necessarily all her same age. That's true. But, like, this is, like, the heir to Doran right now. And she's, like, you know, grown up. She's gonna, she's, uh, the princess of Doran by, by, uh, uh 270. We know that because Ares yeah. go, uh, uh, Ares goes and visits the princess of Dorne. It says so in the world of ice and fire. So she's like, yeah, she's like a grown woman. She's got multiple children. <laughs> and and you know, she probably has to like, you know, do shit in Dorne. Like, why is she, what is she doing? Like, hanging sorry, out no, it, makes, it makes no sense. No. Like honey, even with honey pots, it makes yeah. no sense. The, the only thing that makes sense is your head canon about um, her trying to influence Eris about um, the war of the nine penny Kings. Aries. Aries, yes. About the War of the Nine Penny Kings, yeah. Is yeah. that she's trying to go to have some sort of influence. So this is, like, her thing. I do think she had a very protective relationship with Joanna. Like, she probably yeah. thought she was a really sweet girl. But, like, the idea of this, like, late... Like, this woman with mm-hmm. these kids being besties like, let's, with, like... Like, assuming she had Doran very, very early, like, 18, she has to be at least, like, almost 30 at this point. Yeah. And she probably had him later because people in Dorne tend, uh, seem to marry a little later than most other people. Yeah, so she's hanging out with someone half her age. Yeah. And, and they, like, they were like, because Tyrion says they were girls together at court, which makes no well, sense. I'm sorry. No, I mean, even even with Tyrion's misogyny, it mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. It just does not work out. This is very, like, I think it's very obviously an author fuck up. Mm-hmm. But we rationalize it by saying, like, Tyrion's... Well, she had to have been there at some point because she did have a relationship with Joanna Lannister. Yeah, no, so we're... But, like, Tyrion... We can pretend he was a super misogynist, mm-hmm. but the only way it kind of makes sense of, right, is if she really did think she could have some influence on something actually politically important, because mm-hmm. she's got other shit to worry about right now. 
Yeah, like, and I doubt she was, like, an official companion and she was there for years. Like, she was probably just there for, like, a few months to try to get something done. She was at court and happened to be in the same yeah. room as Joanna a lot. So, therefore, yeah. girls together at court. And she was sure. probably feeling quite protective of her because the, this was the point where Ares was already creeping on her. Right? Creeping on her, yeah. Yeah. So, she was just, like, she's probably, yeah. like, one of the, like, you can count how many, like, on one hand, how many people could actually probably tell Prince Ares at this point to stop it. So, and she was one and, of them. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, girls together at court, shut the fuck up, Tyrion. Yeah. But, um, stop infantilizing her. <laughs> the prince, she's the princess of Dorne. Stop it. Yeah, or was about to become. Yeah, yeah. I don't in my in my like head canon. Yeah, it's like that would be about the time that she becomes princess of Dorne. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Uh, I really think we've picked the Martells clean, though. I mean, I never want to stop talking about them. No, I have a head canon that Lewin had a faux hawk go. <laughs> like, there's <laughs> there's nothing useful for to be said. Like, yeah. Let's just talk about the Ironwoods. I, know, I um, saw this piece we, of fan art where uh, Oberyn had like a warrior's wolf tail like Sokka, and it looks really hot. I like it. Yeah, that does look really good. Yeah. I'm all about that. And like, not that I didn't like Pedro Pascal, because he was very good in the role. Yeah, he, he was, was a very good actor. Um, if only he had been given Oberyn to play. Yeah, that would have been cool. Yeah. But I just kind of like mental images that aren't the show as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Although Alexander Siddig is a fine mental image for Doran, yes. even if... Yeah, was, was I kind like of him. pictured him kind of obese, but whatever. Yeah, said I. Oh, that's the other thing. Stop drawing skinny fan art of Ariane. Yeah, she's she, not skinny. She has a she has a canonically round stomach. Mm-hmm. Stop it. And big boobies. Yeah, she does. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there's nothing worse than fan art of like skinny people with big boobs. I'm sorry, it just looks fake. Um, let's just shit on more fan art. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I want to. There's more that we could talk about with the Ironwoods. Although uh, we kind of got. Yeah, we got about, like, their motivation for the Blackfires, for supporting the Blackfires, which was... We yelled, we yelled that their Andal blood doesn't mean jack shit, right? Yeah, well, um, I think that, we- like, the most important thing to understand about the Dornish is, like, their proto-nationalist thing, right? Yeah. We, we've talked about this before in our, um, in our quest, in our open inbox hour. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit, but... Uh, to summarize, well, I'll let you summarize. Cause- uh, to summarize, because there's this idea uh, that probably originated with that asshat Darren the first, um, that there's these three kind of races of Dornishmen, and it's kind of like on a sliding scale of how much or how little Voinar blood they have, and the Aryans would be considered stony uh, Dornishmen and therefore not have much Voinar blood, and like, yeah, and like this is fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying that there aren't features. Like, I'm sure a lot of the Iron Woods have blonde hair. Mm. But well, if- like, this is a universe where like magic plays a role in families keeping certain appearances. So, like, yeah. that doesn't really mean much about like their like actual like who their ancestors actually are. I don't think. Um, yeah, it's really fucking stupid to imply that this this region. Well, okay, let's put it this way. You know, we have a World of Ice and Fire, which is like an, an in-universe world book, so it's it's written in character of somebody who's Westerosi. And he talks about the two times where the Targaryens uh, conquered Dorne. And the one thing he doesn't mention is other Dornish houses turning against the Martells and joining the Targaryens. Right. Like, if that had happened, he would have mentioned it, because he doesn't like the Dornish. <laughs> You know, so many people don't like the Dornish. Yeah, and he's talking about like the Wills, who are definitely a hundred percent stony. They're as stony as you can possibly get. Who were like yeah. the like crazy like berserker, like amputating everybody's hands so they never raise their hands against Dorn again. Not against like House Will, against Dorn. Yeah, 
It's it's all about keeping this nation state. Yeah. It is very all pro Dorn. Yeah, um, and like the the Martells and the Ironwoods seem to have like maybe competing visions for what Dorn should be. But yeah. they are equally committed to the concept of Dorn. And that's very obvious too in the way that um Archibald Ironwood talks about Dorn to like mm-hmm. any of any of the Dornish and Quentin's chapters, if you look at it, it's like, you know, they're asked, Are you Westerosi? And they go, We're Dornish. And it's just that's their mentality and it's it's all about Dorn and there doesn't really seem to be these distinctions and the fact that, you know, the Ironwoods have blonde hair really doesn't mean shit. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It's it's all about like like they have a very kind of because probably because they're so other they have a kind of like you know a reverse prestige kind of like us mentality like and they're kind of because when uh, the big man talks about how uh, Aegon the fourth was he wanted to invade Dorne with his stupid wooden dragons that he was going to drag up the mountain passes it's really yeah, well planned yeah. out he's just like you know he's talking about like you know the king who wanted to conquer us and, yeah and it's always exactly. us it's. I mean, like, yeah. like their house loyalties obviously mean a lot, and like Arya does, she does like say, but you know, like she talks about Dorne's enemies as the enemies of House Martell sometimes, but um, but there's also the fact that Martells are Dorne, so it's hard yeah. to. Oh, they're very, they're very Latessimwa. Yeah, I mean, if Quentin, if Quentin mm-hmm. fucking Martell thinks that, then <laughs> it tells you something. Yeah. But yeah, I, I guess the point is, you know, I, we're not saying the Ironwoods aren't like problems for the Martells, but it's not. It's not because they're not loyal to Dorne as an right. abstract concept. And these these Dornish races don't seem to exist within Dorne. Mm-hmm. Like, the Dornish characters never think about them. Silva has freckles and no one comments on it. It's just like, okay. Yeah. Silva has freckles. That's fine. <laughs> it's it's just Tyrion being like, oh, I'm so proud of myself that I read this. Look at this salty Dornishman. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. And, like, how salty can they possibly be? Because... You know, they have a very recent Targaryen ancestor. Like, how, like, how, like, how, yeah. how much of a factor can, like, pure Roinar blood be here? Like, really? Yeah, exactly. And, and these, these families have been intermarrying for so long. Yeah, I mean, like, in the mush, just recently in November, they had, uh, a Martell Marion Ironwood. So. <laughs> yeah. And the mush, by the way, is endorsed by George R. R. Martin. Yeah. That's why we bring it up. Yeah. It's semi-canonical, in my opinion. Um, so. All right, we got that. Uh, we got that screaming out of the way. With uh, so we can talk about silly things like Gwyneth. <laughs> so we this might be my favorite headcanon we've ever made, and there's no talking us out of it. No. Gwyneth Ironwood is an excellent juggler. Yes, she likes to juggle oranges. That that's how she uh, distracted Balin Swan for those two weeks he was hanging out in Ironwood. And in fa- yeah, the, we like have these. Very- he was in Ironwood for two weeks. Yeah. Can you imagine, like, by the you know tenth night, what you're going to be feeling like? And then you know, every- anytime something bad would happen, Andrus would be like, "Gwyneth, come out with the uh, oranges." Yeah. And we also that we does kind of- that does not suggest that you know he's a truculent he's a truculent bannerman that he was willing to distract Balin Swan for two weeks just because Doran said so. Yeah, if anyone is worried about like Dornish unity, look at. Operation Distract Balin Swan. Like, yeah. Come on now. <laughs> um, but yeah, the reason we think Gwyneth is a very good juggler is because there's this one passage that says she had fast hands. Yeah, she had like, quick hands and like a quick smile or something like that, right? And we're like, Quentin, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. So, and she's like 12, we, so. Yeah, she's yeah. really young. Um, we also kind of headcanoned her a little bit like Iki from uh, Legend of Korra, <laughs> if anyone's watched that, where she's probably, you know, Balin Swan sitting down, she's probably like, why do you have three pennytails and why do you smell like a girl? <laughs> Just a little bit. 
Uh, I, I don't think Balin Swan knows how to deal with assertive Dornish women. He was just so freaked out by Ariane and her cleavage. He was really freaked out by all of it. And also, he's been schlepped around Dorne for so long. Yeah, like months. Like, they distracted him for, like, a good two months. Yeah. He's like, oh, now you're at Tor. You're here for a month. Go yeah. crazy. Here's some games. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> what is happening? <sighs> yeah. Um, and I think our only other Ironwood headcanon that we even talk about is that we we like to think that Innis and Ryan have a good relationship. Yeah, well, because we mostly don't want her to have given up Ironwood for no reason. Yeah, so maybe they, like, actually loved each other a little bit. Like, that's yeah. gonna happen. They have two Dorne. kids, at least. It is a good match, even mm-hmm. if she did have to give up her claim, because she had two siblings that, um, yeah. would be in position. So... We we like to think that rather than thinking that. Um, but he must like the thing is that he must be quite a bit older than her because um, oh, yeah. she can't be much older than Cletus, and Cletus is like twenty one or so when he dies. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ryan has a twenty four year old son named so, Damon Sand. Yeah, so yeah, even even if he pulled an Oberyn and had when he was thirteen, he's got to be like a good ten or fifteen years older than her, which is okay. Yeah. I, we just really, I don't really think that Anders is Kristen Cole reborn. I kind of reject. Yeah. What Arian was saying there, and she was obviously saying it for a reason mm-hmm. with Eris. So, don't take anything she said in that chapter at face value. Yeah, I mean, like, like, like her. It's kind of like obvious just how desperate she was to get what she wanted out of Ares. So, well, she's so difficult because you can't even mm-hmm. take what she thinks at face value because no. she's so self-deprecating. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the other house in Dorne that everyone talks about. Are the Danes, mm-hmm. right? So you you talk about the Martells, the Ironwoods, and the Danes. Those are like the big three houses. Yeah, I think it's very possible that uh, Don is actually another ice sword. Yeah, I'm not married sure. to it, but I think it's definitely possible. You know, here's my whole thing. I'm really not that fascinated by the Danes. They're okay, or by Don. Like it's fine. Yeah, it's all fine. I'm, I'm I sure really... it'll be very interesting when we do get an answer about it. Yeah, I don't really understand why everyone's. Like, all about it, or, you know, these ridiculous Liana plus Arthur equals John theories. Like, just get out of it. Yeah. Um, well, what do we think about Ashara? Because we, we kind of, we tend to talk around this. We've talked around it a few times, I think. We can. Um, so, my, what I just assume happens, you can call it a headcanon, you can call it a theory that I subscribe to, whatever you mm-hmm. want to say, is that she had sex with Brandon at the tourney because she wanted to. Mm-hmm. And Barristan's patriarchy brain just couldn't compute sexual agency, and I do believe that she had a stillborn. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason. Like, I don't know. Like, why would that rumor? <laughs> I don't know. I guess you can get into all sorts of crazy theories about why that rumor would be there, but like, the timeline doesn't work out if it's supposed to be at Harrenhal. So yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I also think she's actually dead. Yeah, like probably. I mean, we could like. You know, we could be wrong about this, but like at this point, there's really there's there's no zebra here. You know, it's a horse. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We could be wrong. Yeah, there could be some reveal. Like, sometimes it, when you hear hooves, it is a zebra. But you know, it actually, I'll be a little bit honest. It kind of grosses me out how interested everyone is in Ashara, and I think it's because it's like Ned had feelings for her, so it's it's out of this sort of weird like I don't know what the term is for it. It's like, oh, she's the one that got away from Ned, you know. It's like, I don't know. 
it just feels a little. I know. All we know about that is that he was like derpy at her at a feast and that he wants to protect her reputation years later. Yeah. That's all we know about that. But it's just the idea that people like are all about Ashara. It's, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, I mean, like, Barry was like, I'm not going to say he's creeping on, like, he wasn't, like, he had a crush on her that he felt he couldn't act on. And, you know, that's, that's fine, I guess. Yeah. It wasn't like he was sexually harassing her, being all super. Oh, well, his rose colored shower glasses are ridiculous. But, like, there's nothing, like, there's nothing, like, creepy about it. He's not stalking her. He's just, like, you know, he had feelings for her and he thought that. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, he does, like, he has this thing, like, like, if only, if only I had done something and, you know, I could have protected her from herself or something like that. Right. She's kind of... She, would, she wouldn't have looked to Stark. Mm-hmm. And the reason we think it's Brandon is just it's not really in keeping with Ned's personality. He would have thought, like, if if he had, like, a stillborn child, he would have thought about it. Yeah. I think so, too. And I don't think it would be in keeping with Ned's personality just to, like, fuck someone out of Torny. Yeah. Either. Because... We know it's not because Martin tells us, like, in the first line about Ned or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he was not a no- man known to take pleasure. But you know who was like, like that? His brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A bloody sword is a wonderful sight. Go yeah. fuck yourself, Brandon. I-, I also don't think Ashara was a virgin going into that. Not that that matters at all. I just... Yeah, it like, doesn't matter at all. But It like, doesn't matter. I, just, I mean, like... like my, it's, my head headcanon is now. Like, this is, like, you can't really win in this situation because you're either, like, racially profiling her because she's Dornish or, and, like, assuming that she was, you know, promiscuous or you're, like, glorifying her purity and the, like, bloody sword thing, so. I don't, I, I don't think she's promiscuous. It's just my headcanon that she wasn't, like, that she had partners. Yeah. And it's fine. Mm-hmm. And the people at the feast, like, literally could not understand this. <laughs> Oh, that's kind of like, like, yeah. Uh, Patriarchy Brain is a weird thing. It's, yeah. I'm I'm trying not to talk about my fanfic. But, um. (laughs) Why? No, it's just like, this idea that, like, the, like, the, like, Westerosi, like, they don't, just, they just don't understand sexual agency. Yeah, it just confuses them. It really confuses them. The idea that just people can have sex, just because they feel like having sex right now. I would honestly rather racially profile Ashar than be like, oh, she had to have been a virgin because Brandon liked to have sex with virgins. Like, I, I would rather the other reality. Yeah. <laughs> if I had a pick. Yeah, but he does, like, that's kind of canonical, right? That he was really He's an asshole. Yeah. I deflowered her. I'm such a man. He's such, so- oh my <sighs> god, I really can't stand him. He's such a fucking dude, bro. <laughs> we know very little about him either, but, uh. He was hot. Yeah. And but- he liked to treat his one girlfriend like shit, but she was into it apparently. I've always thought that Robert was friends with the wrong Stark brother because he and Brandon seem like of a kind. Yeah, they've just been bros around Westeros. I know there is something like kind of like when you read about his behavior with Barbary Dustin and then how he reacted to Lyanna. It's it, it's very dude broy. Like it's so dude broy. I just like think I, that I will like the- I will like you know I'm okay with using women sexually as long as it's not my sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, why are we talking about Brandon? I have no idea. I, we were talking about Ashara, and like I I I feel like 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 a voyeur even thinking about her sex life. 
Yeah, so do I. And I'm really not interested in any of the theories about how she was raped or whatever. Like, yeah. there's like, all the, like, who the fuck cares? I mean, Seriously. sometimes, like, you know, when you have, like, you know, a stillborn child and then your brother dies and, you know, your BFF dies and her children do too, like, you might get a little suicidal. It's been known to happen. So, yeah. like, I, I, like, you hear hooves and you think zebras, but it could just be horses. Um, yeah. And there's another Dane. There's a couple more Danes we could talk about. We could talk about Arthur. Okay. I mean, what's the, <laughs> he's probably a mensch, yeah. right? He, he seems like he was probably nice. He and Rhaegar were tight. He seems okay. Yeah. He, he died for Rhaegar at the Tower of Joy. Cause Rhaegar told him to, I think. I don't know. It seemed nice of him. Yeah. Well, they, they, they had a history, you know. Yeah. We could talk about Prince Lewin, who we know very little about, who was also a Kingsguard, who died at the Trident. Like I said, he has a mohawk. Yeah. Or a fauxhawk. He had a yeah. paramour. The paramour who's now getting laid with uh, <laughs> Papa Consort. Yeah. yeah. Not Papa Consort, uh, Trophy uh, Consort. Trophy Consort, yeah. Papa sorry. Consort's dead. He died. Um, yeah, no, and like, we actually don't have that many headcanons about Papa Consort, other than what, like, Julia's had a plan out for her fic, which we can't really get into. Spoiler. Yeah. So. I know, I, did, I didn't think crazy. it would be a spoiler, but apparently it is. So, um... <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, the Danes that are alive right now. There's not much to say about them. You have Edric, Edric Dane, who doesn't... He's fine. Stop yeah. shipping him with Sansa. He doesn't seem especially Dornish, you know? He doesn't seem especially anything. Yeah, that's true. Like, he, he like, grew up at Blackhaven, right? So He's he, fine. Yeah. Like I said, stop shipping him with Sansa. That's just, like, random and ass pulley. It's a crack ship. Uh, yeah. I don't think anyone who ships them thinks it's... Especially supported by the text. <laughs> well, people just always have this tendency to be like, let's find a nice guy for Sansa. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really want that, but okay. How does Sansa feel? Said no one ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dark Star. Should we talk about Dark Star? Like, he's just some asshole who's really hot. Yeah. And yeah. he knows he's, he's hot. He's not a Dane of Starfall, first of all. He's a Dane of High Hermitage. Yeah. Um, and he has a major Dawn envy. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, so my, it's not a headcan and it's a crackpot. It's that he's going to steal Dawn and crown himself a vulture king. Because <laughs> what the fuck else is he going to do? Yeah, I don't know. It's I don't actually think that's going to happen, but if it does, I'll be really happy. <laughs> uh, he's just some guy. Like he's definitely not like Doran's deep cover agent. I can tell you that. Um... No, God, no, and stop saying it. Yeah, he's just like. He's- Doran is not some, like, fucking Superman villain either. Yeah, and I, I think he was trying to impress Aryan by being all like, let's kill the little girl. I'm getting you that war you wanted, princess. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you did the one thing I specifically told you not to do. Thanks for that. Huh. Yeah. He's, like, just some asshole who's good in bed. Yeah. There's really not that much to him. No, he's not that interesting. Um, I like how much everyone hates him in the fandom, though. Yeah. Because they're like, Martin was trying to... Make another Oberyn. It's like, no, he wasn't. I don't think he was. I would know. He was definitely not trying to do that. Yeah, he's kind of like, um, I've been comparing a lot of people to Kylo Ren lately. But, um, he's kind of like <laughs> Kylo Ren is like, you can tell he's like a complete loser by design. Mm-hmm. Even if some of the fandom doesn't seem to pick up on that. <laughs> yeah, go back and read the part where he's bitching about Arthur. Yeah. Cause Marcella's just like, oh, I know Arthur Dane. It's like, everyone knows Arthur Dane. Yeah. Like, okay, get over it, dude. And, like, Arya's completely taken kind of, like, aback by his arrogance. And his... Yeah, she's like, oh, I shouldn't have brought him. This is yeah. stupid. And he's gonna, like, make sex eyes at me in front of Arizona Cart. And he's gonna 
gonna have a brawl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Arya, that was not your best plan, dear. No. I mean, she did it because he's fr- like she was trying to have important people. Yeah. With her, but yeah, honey, don't bring all your ex lovers onto one camping trip together. <laughs> Except for Garen, who is yeah. not your ex lover. No. I don't. Jealousy doesn't seem to be especially glorified in Dornish culture, like it is in Westerosi culture. No. So usually, like you know, you can have your exes together and trust them not to do anything stupid. Then you get those fucking Westerosi in there. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Also, I just love that in Dorne they can go on these co-ed camping yeah. trips and nothing happens. No, it, it's like no, just like you contrast it to the way that Marjorie always behaves. Like this is the heir to Sunspear, who's like you know the, the most eligible bachelorette in all of Westeros, and she's going. On like impromptu camping trips with some guy friends, and this is like it's apparently so normal that it's like a cover for a coup that nobody will say anything about if she's going on a camping trip. Nobody will think it's odd, so it's clearly normal behavior. Yep, that's just how the Dornish roll. They're great. Yeah, they don't glorify virginity. I like that about them. Julia, unless we want to go into the specifics of your fic, I think we're kind of at like two hours anyway. So this is probably. This is probably how much how much of Dorne any of you can take anyway in one yeah. sitting. That being said, I'm sure Julia and I are going to continue to talk about Dorne after we yeah. end this. But <laughs> uh, we have to talk about the chapter I'm writing. Yeah. Well, I actually <laughs> have one headcanon I want to share. What's that? Um, well, it's that, you know, uh, Mama Martell has these two cousins that are <laughs> gargoyles. <laughs> <laughs> Three, actually, I guess. Yeah. Nobody cares yeah. about Lynette. No, She's Lynette's off, heir. like... Yeah. She's the responsible one, like, I guess. But there's this one who's a year older than Mama Martell named Gilletta, and she's everything. <laughs> and then there's She's Daddy. named after a character in The Mush who's fucking awesome. She's my favorite character in The Mush by far. Yeah. Um, yeah, if, if, treat treat yourself. Read The Mush. Yeah. It's actually a lot of fun. And definitely read Julia's fanfic. I don't know what you're doing, but read it. Read it so you can understand my stupid gif recaps. <laughs> If nothing else. Uh, but it's also really good. And Julia's getting embarrassed, because I can tell. But Yeah. <laughs> She's like, don't tell me. I don't know. Do you it. know, like, we're both like this. We kind of both crave praise, and we're completely terrified of it. So, like, Martel, I so. want to go off about my fanfic, but I'm also, like, very unwilling to do Let it. Let us know if you would listen to a fanfic, however. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad that all my fanfic is Legend of Korra, because I definitely can't talk. Like, I yeah. can't talk about it, but... Well, you should talk about Potato Sack more often. It's really good. It doesn't get enough love. It's very Martell. Everything we do is based on the Martells. Yeah, it's we kind of our aesthetic. Right. Yeah, so if you want to hear Dornish Headcanon Hour 2.0... <laughs> where we talk about my fanfic. Where we talk about Joey's fanfic. Let us know, but um, we're probably going to put Dorn to... Not to rest. I'm never. Lying. We're never going to put Dorn to but rest. I, I think that pretty much does it for most of our main headcanons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely like... Tris the finger drummer punk. Well, I just uh, like that's, um that might be my favorite. I like Dorna as kind of like as just as a fictional society. Yeah. That just like um people try to keep on like making historical analogs to it, but I'm not sure how appropriate that is. It's just like a place that George R. R. Martin made up, basically, that has this kind of intersection of, you know, pro nationalism and proto feminism and lots of other proto things. And <laughs> just it, yeah, like it's it, not like any place on earth. Yeah, like, just in like terms Dorn. of the way they're othered and the mm-hmm. fights they've had to do, like, yeah. you know, you can certainly draw parallels to whales and, and stuff, but, like, it, it there's no specific yeah, parallel it's that like really fits. like, whales in the, like, okay, it, so it, it's, it's like the proto-nationalist mentality of whales, the landscape 
of Palestine slash Spain, the food of like India. Um, so, you know, pick and yeah. choose. It's just Dorn. Dorn is yeah, like Dorn. Um, I do a lot of Dornish cooking because yeah. it all sounds delicious. Yeah. It's kind of, it's vaguely North African, but like more spicy. Back when I liked uh, Game of Thrones, like in, in season four, actually, when I was doing my apology thing for the mountain and the, uh, Viper episode, the episode with the duel. I made myself eggs with fiery peppers. Cool. And ham? Yeah. You don't eat pork? Uh, no, I don't That's eat That's what pork. He, he was I, eating eggs I with think ham I've, and fiery peppers. Yeah, I think I had a soy sausage in there. They don't have soy sausage in Dorn. I'm or aware. Sharks. I'm such a, like, um, in one of my fanfic chapters, I had them eating sharks such too. A, she's such a toad. <laughs> like everything she's doing is just to like take shits on Game of Thrones. Yeah, everything I'm doing. Well, okay, whatever. I wrote a fanfiction character of Benny off and put him in my fanfic <laughs> so that Asami could tear him a new asshole. Say things like, you really don't understand what a pattern of sexism is, do you? <laughs> yeah, literally that was one of my chapters. I yeah. put Picel and Benny off in my fanfic. <laughs> Okay, so I'm the worst. yeah, that's that's basically all our Dornish headcanons. We probably have more that we're too embarrassed to even talk about. Um, yeah, so we still have to record uh, our Aria retrospective episode. No, we have to finish writing it. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe not when yeah. this is released. Probably not by the time this is released. But no. uh, what I was going to say is, after that, like, we're probably going to want to take a break from podcasting about Game of Thrones for a while because uh the Game of Thrones season six podcasts are I'm sure gonna be on fanwikers mostly. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna be looking for a song of ice and fire specific stuff to talk about because we really enjoy it. Like you could I'm sure you could hear us getting excited during this episode. Yeah. Just th- this like level of joy and positivity you don't see in our retrospective episodes. <laughs> yeah, but let us know let us know Song of Ice and Fire stuff that you wanna uh hear specifically. Um you know, send it to our Tumblr inboxes or email us at unabashedbooksnobbery at gmail dot com. Yep. Yeah, we really we can talk about the Starks or like uh the the kind of uh northern gods mythologies. Sure, yeah. Well we we have uh we could talk about Septus. We could talk about we could have an entire episode on the faith for sure. Yeah. Uh, we like yeah, we're d- gonna have our theory hours to send us your theories. Yeah. Um you know, as much as we love Dorn, there there are other aspects of the story that interest us shockingly. Yeah. I don't know if we could do a full podcast on the Greyjoys. Like I guess we could. Yeah. I just wouldn't We really, we try to like Asha, we really do. But yeah, um, send, send us all the suggestions and otherwise we will talk to you next time. Yeah, goodbye everyone. (laughs) Bye. I got my tea. Got your tea. You're all good. I got my lack of childs. <laughs> I've okay. got my emergency dripped into water, which I don't actually need today, but I think I've grown addicted to the taste in the past week. Kylie, mega dosing on vitamin C is not going to help the duration or severity of your cold. It actually scientifically does. No, it doesn't. Didn't you see the house episode where they cure polio with it or something? You can't cure polio with vitamin C mega dosing. That doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> But it tastes so good. See, that's a legitimate reason to drink it. It's not a legitimate reason to, like... Well, that's why I had been drinking it before.
Like, if it doesn't do anything, then why does everyone drink it? I'm not even going to bother to point out the logical fallacy in that. <sighs> Stop being such a... What are you? You're Oh, you're a Libra. That's why you doubt all this. <laughs> yeah, that's why. 